Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. How is everyone doing tonight? I hope everyone is doing well on this uh, Wednesday, right? We're Wednesday. Yes, I said that earlier. I think I got it right this time. Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a brand new edition of The Sea Report. And uh, I am your host, Mr. C, as always, and I'm here uh, to share a little bit of news and information with you guys by way of the Save America First MAGA movement, the patriot community, the conservative community, and all those who love America. Well, that's why we're here today, ladies and gentlemen. We are here today to uh, bring you the latest news and headlines, topics, stories, current events, all of the news fit to be curated by someone like myself, and I thank you all for joining us tonight. If you are catching us live, well, we are a little earlier today than we normally are, but I don't know. It seems to me like, eh, it seems to me like the Sea Reports become kind of a roving live show. What do we mean by a roving live show? Well, you know, uh, maybe we don't always have that time set, but you know we'll be on it sometime during the evening hours. So if you want to catch the C Report live and you want to make sure that you don't miss an episode, uh, I would highly recommend that at whatever platform you are watching us that you subscribe, ladies and gentlemen. If you're following us over at foxhole.app or pill.net, then most definitely follow us at our account page so you can get those notifications about when we're going live. If you're over at Rumble, by all means, subscribe to this channel. If you like what you've seen so far, we've been on Rumble for about... A week tomorrow will be on Rumble, and uh, we've just been popping out, uh, you know, show after show of, uh, well, what we do here over at the Sea Report, that uh, that uh, niche perspective that I like to uh, think in my own little head that we got here. What do we got? Uh, you've seen uh, the Sea Report. You've seen Mr. C in the Dark. You've seen some watch parties that we host here over at the Mr. C TV channel. I'm happy to announce uh, that uh, we will also uh, be having the return of Lone Star News. So uh, look forward to that, ladies and gentlemen. If you have uh, seen uh, Lone Star News before, uh, and, and, and maybe if you miss it, you're probably happy to know that we'll be bringing that show back to you guys uh, soon, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we're, we'll, it'll be back in the works in the upcoming week, guys, for those of you who've been waiting for the return of Lone Star News. Uh, Lone Star News, of course, being our Texas-centric, our show that is dedicated most specifically to cleaning up my backyard, because my backyard is the great state of Texas, and we got a lot of cleaning up to do here. Uh, believe you me, we've got so many rhinos in this state, and the people of Texas have been bamboozled for such a long time. I'm sure you could understand my concern. So uh, we'll be doing that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this upcoming week. Look forward to the return of Lone Star News and uh, everything else that we do here. You know, today is Wednesday. Uh, generally, you know, Monday through Friday, we're on between about eh, 7.30 and 9.30 at night. Uh, so yeah, that's why I said it's kind of a roving time slot. You know, it kind of makes it harder for the, uh, ops to, uh, zero down in on when I'm going to be on so they can, uh, you know, try and, uh, throw off this show. You know, they're like, ah, oh, dang it. Mr. C's on early today. I was having dinner. Ah, oh, dang it. Mr. C's on late today. I was having a late night dinner. How am I supposed to be an ops to this person over here? Yeah, that's the way it works. Ladies and gentlemen.
gentlemen. Anyways, uh, again, thank you all for joining us live. Now, we were live earlier today. About 35 minutes ago, you know, uh, uh, we were doing the uh, fourth installment of the Putin interviews, uh, which the last two, uh, the entire series was actually very riveting to me, to be quite honest with you all, Uh, particularly when we're looking in the face of an alternate or a different perspective on history, uh, based on what we've been told and what we're fed and what they share with us and what they tell us to believe from the mainstream mainstream fake news legacy media press. So, uh, you know, with that in mind, guys, that's why I found it very interesting indeed to watch, uh, particularly the last two episodes. We had, uh, man, we had uh, a lot. I mean, uh, what I believe we witnessed was a psychological and an intelligence operation in the last two episodes of that documentary. It was four parts long. Anyways, guys, if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend you do, especially to get uh, a little bit of that perspective that eludes us here in these United States of America. You can always check it out at our, um, you can always check it out at our uh, Rumble show, our Rumble channel. We have uh, three parts there. Uh, We have four parts posted over at Clout Hub and four or three parts posted over at Pilled and at Foxhole. So they'll be, um, they'll be archived there. However, I might say, um, you know, you could always just search it out yourself if you want to uh, watch it without any type of analysis or just to uh, enjoy the documentary as it is. We don't interrupt the documentary at all during the watch parties, but definitely you're going to get some kind of point of view prior to and after we show that. So however you want to see it, I highly recommend that you check it out and not for the benefit or the lauding of one Oliver Stone, whom I believe is a deep state establishment operative. But at least if not for your own uh, um, uh, viewpoints and perspectives and uh, what you might think about that, ladies and gentlemen. So had a great time. I thought it was highly educational and also entertaining. So again, my recommendations. Uh, Now for tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to you live a little bit early because after tonight's show, um, I will be going live with uh, another show uh, that appears out there on the interwebs. A show by the name of The Speak Uneasy. And if you've never seen that show, well, you know, it's a a little bit different from what we do here at The Sea Report. Um, But tonight, uh, the the host, uh, Mr. The Speak Uneasy, otherwise referred to as The Bartender, has asked if I join him uh, while we uh, while we peruse a few a couple of news articles on his show called "This Is News" with a question mark. Yep, you're, yeah, there's no telling what kind of stories we're going to be presenting to you guys tonight. I might be telling you a story about a man who got his cock cut off at a cockfight. But I digress, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see what it's all about. Maybe we'll talk about, uh, you know, uh, children using litter boxes in high school. Who knows what we'll be talking about. But nevertheless, it should be an entertaining show. That'll be on about 10 p.m. Central tonight. And that's why we're coming to you guys a little bit earlier tonight on this Happy Sandwich Day, otherwise known as Wednesday, otherwise known as the ninth day of February in the year 2022 of our Lord. Now, we have an entire, we have an entire jam-packed, drama-filled episode of the Sea Report for you guys tonight. Now, I'm just trying to say, if you think I'm dramatic... (laughs) 
wait until you see what I got in store for you guys. Uh, before we do that, though, by all means, I'd like to encourage everyone present and everyone abroad and all those who will be present later on. Uh, to make sure you check out the podcast version of our show, that is uh, the the C Report on podcast over there at Anchor.fm slash the C Report, where you can take the C Report and you can take it to go. You can take it for a jog. You can take it for homework. You can take it to work. You can take it wherever your happy little ears are willing to hear. The news, the stories, and the views that we have here at the Sea Report, because you know, not every not every time can we, uh, you know, uh, uh, have our eyes glued to a screen. So that's especially what that is there for, ladies and gentlemen. And I will be uh, one to say, I podcasting or listening is my preferred method of receiving material, media, and information. That's just me. Um, and uh, we are pretty much we're getting up to date. There, guys, we I believe are about two episodes behind. Uh, I will be working on that after. Well, maybe I won't be working on it tonight because I got a show after this as well. But we'll be. I think we're up to episode two hundred and forty or 241 on the podcast. And uh, this here, ladies and gentlemen, is episode 244. We're not too far behind. Uh, Interesting enough, and most thankfully, the news and the stories that we have been sharing with you guys in the past week are still ultra relevant, even if it is not new news. It's not like we're just reading headlines here. We also do some analysis, and we also make sure that the stories stay a little, a little relevant within, with, without the time span of a week or so, guys. Because, you know, news as it moves forward in the cycle, say you're talking about uh, Fauci today and uh, his uh, claims that masks are no good. And then all of a sudden tomorrow, he says that masks are bad. And then all of a sudden a week later, he says you triple mask. And then, well, I mean, you've been doing the daily, so we'll talk to you in three weeks and we'll be like, well, two weeks ago he said this, a week before that he said this, and the day before that he said this, and now he says this, and now science proves this. So it's all still kind of relevant, you know what I mean? Anyways, so uh, I would say most definitely check out our shows. If uh, even, even though we are a day or two behind, I guarantee it. If you missed any of the shows in the last few days, they are still ultra relevant. We've been talking about election integrity. We've been uh, delving into uh, some of these election audits that they've been trying to have. We've been talking about all manner of things. We've been talking about Joe Rogan. In fact, we're going to talk about Joe Rogan again tonight, incidentally. Uh, you know, not that I, not that it's in my heart to speak about this man, <laughs> but uh, he keeps popping up in the news. Okay, we've been talking about the uh, the Electoral Count Act of eighteen eighty seven, and uh, that's ultra relevant. We talked a lot about Mike Pence yesterday, uh, and as you all may know, if you follow me here at the Sea Report, I'm not a hundred percent a big old fan of Mr. Pence. I'm not even zero percent. I wouldn't even put myself in the realm of being a fan, ladies and gentlemen, of anyone named Pence with the first name Mike. But we always start the show, ladies and gentlemen, with a statement from President Trump. President Trump leads the show. Uh, Tonight, we're actually going to start with this, which I thought was very important to share with you guys, because um, this is a terrorism threat bulletin. That was posted at the National Terrorism Advisory System on the Homeland Security page. Uh, now, I most definitely need to thank 
Two Rivers over there at uh, Pill.net and the Foxhole app for passing this my way. This bulletin was posted yesterday on the Homeland Security website. And I was like, what are these guys going on about? Um, Let's see what they had to say. Now, this is dated yesterday. Apparently, there is an increased threat to Homeland Security by way of terrorism. So I thought this was very important to bring this out at the head of the show. Uh, So let's see what these guys are saying. It says, a summary of terrorism threat to the U.S. Homeland. The United States remains in a heightened threat environment fueled by several factors, including an online environment filled with false or misleading narratives and conspiracy theories. Okay, so just stopping right there, my first thought here is you guys are going to post a Homeland Security terrorist warning threat based on conspiracy theories? These guys are getting pretty desperate, if you ask me. I kind of like, well, who are you talking about, Homeland Security? Let's see what they got to say. It says, and other forms of mis, dis, and malinformation. Oh, who's going to be the first to make the meme? What rapper is going to be the first to make the rap song called Miss Dis Malinformation with the Homeland Security? Miss Dis Malinformation. You guys can sample that if you want. <laughs> Okay, it says uh, other forms of mis, dis, and malinformation introduced and or amplified by foreign and domestic threat actors. So if you are telling the truth, if you are, uh, you know, sharing honest headlines, if you are sharing headlines that go against the narrative, you are a foreign or a domestic threat actor, okay? Because they probably got really peed off Whenever I told uh, Ned Price that his only position on the geopolitical uh, world scene for making uh, assumptions and espousing, uh, you know, threats and uh, conspiracy theories was bent over a desk. Ned Price, don't take it personal, Ned Price. Uh, But, you know, that's what you do whenever you get on uh, whenever you get on the world stage and you start uh, talking about uh, uh, fake false flag attacks so that you can move the narrative forward of your puppet masters, or should we call them your pimp masters, or should we call them those who serve you over a desk? Mr. Ned Price. Don't, don't, don't cry now, baby. Don't cry now. Okay, it goes on to say, these threat actors seek to exacerbate societal friction to sow discord and undermine public trust in government institutions to encourage unrest. Guess what, Ned Price? No one trusts the government anyway. So what kind of narrative are you trying to sow, buddy? Now, it says here also, it could potentially inspire acts of violence. Now, that to me right there is just them admitting that if you keep talking, we're going to start, you know, shooting people down or bombing people. That line right there is them saying, if you keep on uh, telling the truth and you keep on sharing information, uh, you could potentially inspire us to act violently. That's an admittance to me on the part of the Deep State Department, Homeland Security, and anyone else involved with this type of a message. It says here, mass casualty attacks and other attacks are targeted violence conducted by lone offenders and small groups acting in furtherance of ideological beliefs and or personal grievances pose an ongoing threat to the nation. 
All right, my friends over at the Foxhole app and the Pill.net community, particularly if you're a content creator, they could be talking to us, okay? I'm just saying, I mean, they probably don't look at my channel, but I know there's a lot of channels over there they probably look at. And I, I, I say that specifically because there is no other community of content creators other than the foxhole app maybe clout hub too but you know i haven't explored clout hub enough to know for sure if that is a fact but uh it's a good a good community over there at clout hub as well i would most definitely say now uh, let's let's continue with this here it says uh while the conditions underlying the heightened threat landscape have not significantly changed over the last year the convergence of the following factors has increased the volatility, unpredictability, and complexity of the threat environment. We have a gay Hispanic Trump supporter who's telling the truth. That was number one. Okay, number two is the proliferation of false or misleading narratives which sow discord or undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions. Three, the continued calls for violence directed at U.S. critical infrastructure, soft targets, and mass gatherings, faith-based institutions such as churches, synagogues, and mosques, institutions of higher education, racial and religious minorities, government facilities, and personal and personnel, including law enforcement and the military, the media, and perceived ideological opponents. Okay, guys, so if you're paying attention... The Deep State Department and Homeland Security just told us exactly who they are targeting, okay? That section right there is the Deep State and Homeland Security saying, okay, if you keep it up, we're going to target these people. Would you like a recap of who they're going after? So just so you know, if you work in these fields, if you, are, if you have family members in these fields, if you have children in these fields, these are the ones that the deep state and Homeland Security are going to use against us by striking against them, by hurting them, by attacking them, by killing them. They're, they have to tell us what they're going to do. And this letter is exactly that. They're saying, if you keep it up, this is what we're going to do. So just... Just to recap on this statement right here, this is who they're targeting, okay? Act accordingly, and I don't mean act out or retaliate. I mean prepare yourself, protect yourself, be aware of your surroundings because the deep state and the Homeland Security Department are coming for these areas. Check this out. It says, there will be continued violence directed at... U.S. critical infrastructure, soft targets and mass gatherings, faith-based institutions such as churches, synagogues, and mosques, institutions of higher education, racial and religious minorities, government facilities and personnel including law enforcement and the military, the media, and perceived ideological opponents. Now, do I really think they're going to attack the media? Maybe they will offer up one of theirs as a sacrificial offering to the uh, gods of Magog or Moloch or whoever the hell it is that they worship. And they probably just throw that in there to make them look like, you know, their targets also and they're doing a good job. Everyone knows the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, mockingbird propaganda. Fake news media is not that. Let's finish up here. It says... Calls by foreign terrorist organizations for attacks on the United States based on recent events. Okay. Now, apparently, 
They issued this warning yesterday at 2 p.m. And this warning also expires. Oh, it expires in June. Okay, so they're giving us a window between now and June. This could be the case. All right, guys, between now and June 7th of this year, they will be looking for, uh, I don't know, content creators, uh, live streamers. That's just the way it sounds to me, guys. That's just the call me paranoid. But I told you it was going to be a very drama filled episode. Didn't I? Okay, didn't I? Okay. Additional details. The primary terrorism related threat to the United States uh, continues to stem from one lone offenders or small cells of individuals who are motivated by a range of foreign and or domestic grievances, often cultivated through the consumption of certain online content. The convergence of violent extremist ideologies, false or misleading narratives and conspiracy theories have and will continue to contribute a heightened threat of violence in the United States. Key factors contributing to the current heightened threat environment include the proliferation of false or misleading narratives such as Russia, Russia, Russia is all about NATO, 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 right? Or uh, what? The Hunter Biden laptop or uh, what? The Canada convoy is all about racism. Uh, and these narratives sow discord or undermine public trust in government institutions, such as what? Oh, they tell us for us. For example, there is widespread online proliferation or false or misleading narratives regarding unsubstantiated widespread election fraud. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And COVID-19. Even as the COVID-19 planned pandemic narrative falls down around their ankles, they are still willing to put that on the table like it's truth. Lie hard, lie long, lie loud, and hope that your lies stick. Oh, that's what was once said a long time ago, wasn't it? Grievances associated with these themes inspired violent extremist attacks from the government during 2021. Malign foreign powers have and continue to amplify these false or misleading narratives in efforts to damage the United States. Well, I'll be the first one to tell you I have never heard people from Russia talking about COVID-19 being a pre-planned pandemic from a genuinely manufactured disease that was created in the laboratories of China and subsidized by the United States taxpayer dollar as funneled through the military and also our government. Never heard Russia say that. I never even heard Russia said that, that, uh, you know, uh, the election of 2020 was a coup that was, uh, that was foisted upon the American people by dark actors from inside a deep state that have globalist connections and, uh, instilled a decrepit and an incompetent leader to, uh, pull off all of their shenanigans and bring down America and take them back to the level that they should have been under a Hillary Clinton administration so this way they could do their 16 year plan and have it done by 2021. But I'm sorry, it just didn't work out that way, guys. They had to push it back to 2030. And then they still have to push this whole Russia war, uh, you know, uh, a paradigm that they want to have. I mean, we've clearly debunked this entire threat assessment right here now live, guys. (laughs) Clearly we've debunked this. These guys are such clowns. No one takes them seriously. This is the wolf crying 
because he ate freaking, you know, uh, Red White Riding Hood's grandma. He's like, I ate Grandma Red Riding Hood. What are we going to do now? I have nothing left to eat. Yeah, good job, Deep State, Homeland Security, Pentagon, Darth Lloyd, Austin, whoever the heck is putting this crap out. Okay, it goes on to say, continued calls for violence directed at U.S. critical infrastructure. Soft targets and mass gatherings, faith-based institutions such as churches, synagogues, and mosques, institutions of higher education, racial and religious minorities, government facilities and personnel, including law enforcement and the military, the media, and perceived ideological opponents. Foreign terrorist organizations and domestic threat actors continue to amplify pre-existing false or misleading narratives online to sow discord and undermine public trust in government institutions. Some of these actors do so to encourage unrest, which could lead to acts of violence against the facilities, individuals, institutions, and organizations cited above. I'm very happy to say that I don't know one group or single content creator or live streamer particularly on the false on the foxhole with the exception of one group of individuals that have never called for violence never none of us would ever be like that is the answer to go out and cause a ruckus or to go riot none of us have ever done that in fact even on previous uh you know shows that i've been on anyone who said that or thought that or was like oh well i just can't wait till we go pull out our guns oh uh well when is the violence gonna start oh well well why are you asking that question and why is your answer uh, you can't wait for that to start there's only been one group of people that i've ever known that did that on that platform and I always shut that down as long as I was part of that outfit because that is not the answer. And we have a tough enough road ahead of us that we don't have to we don't need to worry about the government trying to say that we're the violent ones when we've been having a civilized revolution this entire time that they cannot stop. And their only answer is violence, and that's the only way that they're gonna derail us, and that's why they keep on pushing these false narratives that they are going to amp up themselves and they're going to execute themselves, okay? period, period, period. Everyone in this community knows the minute you hear someone calling for violence, you shut them down or you ignore them or you expose them. That's the way it goes because violence is not the answer. We've been far more effective being digital warriors and sharing this information than anything a gun could do. And like I've said, I understand the Tree of Liberty does need to be watered every now and then. I understand that 100%. But as I always say, may justice be served and may the Tree of Liberty be watered with the blood of our enemies, the enemies of liberty, justice, and a free, sovereign people. Period. Okay, let's get back to this. Violent extremists inspired by a range of grievances and ideologies continue to target crowded venues traditionally perceived to be soft targets. So they're telling you their plan. Violent extremists inspired by a range of grievances. This is violent extremists in the government who have grievances over the American people being awake to what they're doing and being awake to their plan. They have grievances with the American people, the, uh, the, uh, the deep state government of these uh, globalist, entrenched, transhumanist, filth people. Okay, they have grievances. And because of that, they, they are inspired as violent extremists, this government of the United States is.
And, and they will continue to target crowded venues traditionally perceived to be t- soft targets. They're telling you what they're going to do. They're telling you who they are. They're telling you why they're doing it. And they're telling you who they're going to do it to. Read between the lines, guys. We have a better sense of discernment than we've ever had in our history in the last century or so, we can clearly see what they're saying right here, okay? Now it says, this is more of their targets, such as commercial and publicly accessible facilities, public gatherings, certain government and state facilities, and houses of worship. Oh, 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 here they're going to use this as like a little distraction. The recent attack on a synagogue in Colleyville, Texas, highlights the continuing threat of violence based upon racial or religious motivations, as well as threats against faith-based organizations, because it made absolutely no sense that you are going to have someone who's not related to a terrorist that's locked up in Dallas, claim to be her brother, and then go to a synagogue of four people, hold them hostage, and expect that the government of this country is going to release a known terrorist without first offing his, I mean, come on, that made no sense. That entire narrative was stunted from the beginning. They go on to say, threats directed at historically black colleges and universities. Oh, guys, so they're gonna, they're gonna make victims again. I mean, just when the black population is starting to free itself from the mental, emotional, and and otherwise historical chains that have held them down. And I'm not talking about the ones that already understand what's up. I'm talking about the ones that are susceptible and weak towards the psychological operations that this government has been running on them. They're going to they're going to attack them. They're they're telling us right here that they are going to attack historically black colleges and universities. OK, and other colleges and universities, Jewish facilities. They're going to use the race card like never before. They're coming for us, guys. February to June, we're on a heightened alert. We need to be aware. We need to be cognizant. We need to be able to see between the lines. We need to keep our cameras handy and we need to make sure that we're live streaming at all times. Okay. (laughs) Now it also says churches cause concern and may inspire extremist threat actors to mobilize to violence. As COVID-19 restrictions continue to decrease nationwide, Increased access to commercial and government facilities and the rising number of mass gatherings could provide increased opportunities for individuals looking to commit acts of violence to do so, often with little or no warning. I will say this for sure, ladies and gentlemen, the only thing that I ever said was good about the lockdowns, particularly during a Trump administration, was... At least there's no schools, there's no concerts, there's no pub church meetings, there's no public gatherings because if the lockdowns hadn't happened, particularly during the latter part of President Trump's administration, they would have gone trigger happy on everyone, guys. That's the only good thing because I'm a paranoid person by nature, slightly I used to be worse, but they would have done it, guys. They would have done it. They would have killed so many people in mass shootings. This is scary because they know that COVID-19, they're like, COVID-19's lifting. That means we're going to have you in the public. That means there's going to be kids at school. That means there's going to be churches filled with, filled with congregations again. So if you keep on talking and you don't do what we want, guess what we're going to do? Okay, this is... A document of admittance to me. I'm sorry. I'm just like, 
I just, I don't know, guys. Okay, let's finish this up. Let's finish this up so we can get on with the show. Talk about high drama. I told you we were going to have drama out of the gates today. All right, it says here. Meanwhile, COVID-19 mitigation measures, particularly COVID-19 vaccine and mask mandates, have been used by domestic violent extremists to justify violence since 2020. Wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me (laughs) that... We've been using mandates and masks to justify what violence are they talking about? Are they talking about the rash of SJW, BLM, Antifers that go out and start clubbing people because they don't have a mask on? Is that what we're talking about here? I've never seen someone who wasn't wearing a mask uh, except for a very upset uh, parent. And even then they didn't get violent. They just got loud. Go up and uh, cause any kind of, uh, you know, disturbance. At anything other than, I don't know, a school board meeting. People were more riled up over the uh, the fake, uh, you know, uh, audit that happened in New Hampshire <laughs> than they were over anything else. <laughs> oh, my word. Okay. Uh, domestic violent extremists have also viewed attacks against U.S. critical infrastructure as a means to create chaos and advance ideological goals. Are they talking about that bridge that Biden built blew up in Pennsylvania? He was like, the blow up better plan. We're going to blow up bridges in Pennsylvania. So I have something to talk about when I visit them next week. Yeah, well, it was the same day, actually. Anyways, okay. <laughs> And have recently aspired to disrupt U.S. electrical and communications critical infrastructure, including by spreading false or misleading narratives about 5G cellular energy. Now, I got to say there's there's bound to be something about 5G because I have not heard anyone at large talk about misleading narratives regarding 5G cell technology in like almost a year. I guess there's something to it, guys. I guess they were right. What can I say? I guess they were right. (laughs) Some domestic violent extremists have continued to advocate for violence in response to false or misleading narratives about unsubstantiated election fraud. The months preceding the upcoming 2022 midterm elections could provide additional opportunities for these extremists and and other individuals to call for violence directed at Democratic institutions, political candidates, party offices, election events, and election workers. A small number of threat actors are attempting to use the evacuation and resettlement of Afghan nationals following the U.S. military withdrawal from Afghanistan last year as a means to exacerbate longstanding grievances and justify attacks against immigrants. Calls by foreign terrorist organizations for attacks on the United States based on recent events. Foreign terrorist organizations will likely continue to maintain a highly visible online presence to attempt to inspire U.S.-based individuals to engage in violent activity because Facebook and Twitter never did anything about shutting down these terrorists. Now they're going to try and say, ooga booga, they're going to come and get you because they never shut them down. We have ISIS, ISIL, ISIS-K, ISIS-K, you know, KY jelly all online talking about blowing up America. But uh, don't take it out on Twitter. Don't take it out on Meta Facebook. Don't take it out on any of these big old freaking social uh, media hubs that allowed them to stay there. Right? Homeland Security, Deep State, Pentagon Department, Darth Lloyd Vader, and who else is pulling these strings right here? here. Yeah, yeah, we see the hypocrisy. 
supporters of foreign terrorist organizations have encouraged copycat attackers following the January 15th, 2022 attack on... Okay, guys, have any of you guys seen a copycat attack since January 15th? Are they telling us that there's going to be another one or are they preconditioning us to accept the fact that they're going to do this again? That's what that line is right there because I haven't seen one for them to say that this is a copycat attack since the the Colleyville, Texas synagogue situation. They're planning to do this again, guys. This is this is in the books right here. Foreign terrorists remain intent on targeting the United States and U.S. persons and may seek to capitalize on the evolving security environment overseas to plot attacks. The Islamic State of Iraq and Ash Sham ISIS. Okay, so ISIS has a new identity. ISIS is a new ISIS is a new identity. Now they're the Ash Sham. Okay. Oh wait, it's the Islamic State of Iraq. My bad. Okay. <laughs> Wait, they were the Islamic State of Iran. They were the Islamic State of, like, I don't know, Iberia. They're the Islamic State of what? What are uh, what other uh, Illinois? Like, <laughs> what are these people trying to pull? Let me tell you what. We're going to have foreign terrorist attacks. We're going to have idiots like the one that happened in Colleyville. And keep in mind, the terrorist in the Colleyville incident killed was was killed okay he was killed the media told us he was so and so so and so from the united kingdom how do we know that's true how do we know that the guy who attacked colleyville was so and so from the united kingdom how do we know that he wasn't a, a terrorist that came in under this afghanistan unvetted refugee program that biden and the rest of his henchmen brought here and that's what i'm talking about there guys you're we have thousands of unvetted military aid terrorists in our country right now and biden brought them in and the deep state brought them in they brought them in the deep state department all of them they brought they're here now okay they're here in their little sleeper cells ready waiting to be activated and i think that that's who that was in colleyville texas why do you think they killed him why do you think that fbi broke po- broke protocol for how they normally handle uh, um, these situations with uh, with hostages there was not a single hostage in that church when they killed that man. And that man will never be able to face trial so that we will never know the truth that it was not who they said it was. And that that guy's probably Osama bin Laden somewhere else. He's Osama bin Laden in. Like, he's not Osama bin Laden, but I made an adjective out of him. He's Osama bin laden somewhere else in the United States of America. He's the guy who they say it was from the United Kingdom. Oh, he's fine. He's alive. He's somewhere here doing what, you know, piddling with his fingers and having a beer at a pub somewhere in Pennsylvania, I'm sure. Okay, but the one that they killed, the one that they killed was probably someone that they brought over from Afghanistan that was an unvetted refugee, a terrorist, and that was the plan. How do you think they sneak these people in here? How do you think it's going to happen when they have this uprising, right? There's going to be an uprising, and all of a sudden, all these people are going to come out of nowhere. It's going to be just like Kazakhstan, okay? And they're going to be like, well, we got like 20,000 like uh, insurrectionists here. No, those aren't all insurrectionists if you didn't notice they're all wearing turbans and they all have a beard that's down to their freaking belly and they're all saying oh, la, 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 la. and so and then they're gonna say it's actually the american patriot they're gonna say these are maga people over here in their turbans and their foot-long beards they're t- insurrectionists and now we have to lock down america that's gonna be the plan it's gonna be just like kazakhstan guys you mark my words okay it'll be just like kazakhstan they they brought these people in here so they have they have a body of ready to go 
radical nihilistic terrorists at their will, ready to attack to serve their purposes, while the media spreads all these lies about what people are actually seeing on TV. Classic. We've seen this thousands of times. We understand it. We get it. We know it. And they are still trying to lie to us in our faces. I just can't with these people. Okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, it says here, the Islamic State of Iran, Ash Sham. You know what? It is a sham. It is an ass sham, this ISIS is. Yeah, they, 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 that's well-named, Deep State, Home State, Homeland Security Department. They, this is an ash sham. It's a sham of ass. This is all this is. Oh, you know, they, hey, they made that one too easy for me, guys. Okay. It says here, or its affiliates may issue public calls for retaliation due to the strike that recently killed ISIS leader Abu Ibrahim al-Hashami al-Qurashay. Is that the one that I, uh, Biden killed like, I don't know, 20 innocent people just to get to? Uh, it concludes, ladies and gentlemen, how are they responding DHS and the Federal Bureau of Investigation continue to share timely and actionable information and intelligence with the broadest audience possible. This includes sharing information and intelligence with our partners across every level of government and in the private sector. We conduct recurring threat briefings with private sector and state, local, tribal, territorial, and campus partners, including to inform security planning efforts. DHS remains committed to working with our partners to identify and prevent all forms of terrorism and targeted violence, and to support law enforcement efforts to keep our communities safe. DHS's Office of Intellect Intelligence and Analysis established a new dedicated domestic terrorism branch to produce the sound timely intelligence needed to counter related threats. The department expanded its evaluation of online activity as part of its efforts to assess and prevent acts of violence while ensuring the protection of privacy, civil rights, and civil liberties. DHS Center for Prevention Programs and Partnerships provides communities with resources and tools to help prevent individuals from radicalizing to violence in 2021 CP3 awarded about blah, 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 blah. They're just going to start jerking themselves off right here to make them look good and tell you how much they've done. What they've actually done is they've padded their own operations and they're telling you what they spent their money on, but they're lying about it at the same time. So let's just skip over that. That's all just a bunch of bull. Okay, how can you help stay informed and prepared? Be prepared for emergency situations and remain aware of circumstances that may place you at risk. Make note of your surroundings and the nearest security personnel. In other words, don't have a gun. Make sure you rely on someone else to protect you. Keep yourself safe online and maintain digital and media literacy to recognize and build resilience to false or misleading narratives. Review DHS resources for how to better protect business and houses of worship and schools and ensure the safety of public gatherings. Prepare for potential active shooter incidents as well as efforts to prevent, protect against, respond to, and mitigate the use of explosives. Learn about community-based resources to help prevent individuals from radicalizing to violence. Report potential threats, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to local authorities and public safety officials. If you see something, say something. That's copyrighted restricted. God, yeah. Who would want to own something like that? I guess, anyways, never mind. Report suspicious activity and threats of violence, including on or online threats the local law to local law enforcement's FBI field offices or your local fusion center, GPS. Call 911 in case of emergency. If you know someone who is struggling with mental health issues 
or may pose a danger to themselves or others, <laughs> seek help. I laugh because, like, people who've never seen this broadcast are going to be all, that guy, he's got some serious mental health issues. <laughs> oh, lordy, ladies and gentlemen, I was, yeah... That was that I, I apologize, President Trump, but that that notice that that public service announcement had to come first today. I'm sure you understand, sir. I'm sure you understand. <laughs> Man, guys, that's some crazy stuff right there, wouldn't you say? All right. OK. All right, I hope you got all right. I mean, there we go. That's how we're starting the show off today. That's not the only thing that's going to be dramatic about today's show. Trust me, the drama's coming. The drama is coming if it's not here already. Um, all right, guys. Thanks again for being in the audience. I see we got a bunch of you guys with us. 123SKG, uh, Pablo63, Ohio Kimmy. Thank you for the shades, 123. Uh, we also got, uh, let's see, uh, Casey. Casey, thank you for gifting the can. Sherry M, uh, thank you for being with us. Ohio Kimmy, thank you for gifting the shades. Good to see you again, sweetie. Sean Joe, good to see you, sir. Bill Tech, good to see you. Cherry M. Oh, I said hello, but hello again. Kaori, how's it going, sir? I'll, I'll have to catch up with you later on, Kaori, because I got a lot going on right now. Um, Disco Ball Chaser, what's up, sweetie? Thanks for being in the audience today, saying hello. The Speak Uneasy, we'll see you later. Relanon, thank you so much for the 117 gold pills. All right, guys, let's get going. Let's keep this, let's keep this, uh, let's keep this train in motion as it were, because we've got a lot of ground to cover and a little bit of time to do it. Okay, so uh, we'll start with some President Trump statements, even though we already started with a pretty heavy statement, guys. Uh, And let's see what we got here. First statement from President Trump. Well, Mr. Trump, where was this statement yesterday when I was just talking and talking and talking about my favorite bald-headed friend, Joe Rogan? Okay, I mean, I'm in Texas. I don't literally know Joe Rogan. I'm just saying we're both bald-headed, so leave me alone. Okay, all right. Uh, President Trump says, Joe Rogan is an interesting and popular guy, but he's got to stop apologizing to the fake news and radical left maniacs and lunatics. How many ways can you say you're sorry? Joe, just go about what you do so well. And don't let them make you look weak and frightened. That's not you, and it never will be. But President Trump, President Trump, don't you know that he censored himself? No, I mean, that's a class act right there, guys. Okay, that's a class act. So uh, that's all I got to say about that. But yesterday I was going on and on about uh, Joe Rogan, so I just thought that was kind of funny. You know Uh, that President Trump actually did have a statement in regards to the man. Anyhow, let us uh, press forward with our next President Trump statement. What do we got? Ah, yes. Uh, This is in regards to uh, the Biden administration. Let's see what he's got to say about the Biden administration. You You know President Trump has always got something fun to say about them. We'll expand that ever so slightly. And uh, here we go. 
It says, the Biden administration now says conspiracy theories about elections are the greatest threat to the homeland. Yeah, so does Homeland Security. How funny how that works, right? Okay, it says, does the Department of Homeland Security include in its list of conspiracy theories the on-tape irrefutable evidence of massive ballot harvesting in the swing states? Do they include more votes than voters and the fact that in Georgia, thousands of duplicate votes were scanned and voter fraud was committed with 100 to 0 falsified vote counts for Joe Biden? Do they include in Wisconsin more than twice the election margin voted without ever showing ID, which is illegal, or the widespread fraud uncovered in nursing homes? Or how 23,344 mail-in ballots were counted despite the person no longer living at that address in Arizona. And that there were over 100% turnout for mail-in ballots in precincts in Pima County. What about the many violations of the Constitution and the families? Uh, and the uh, and the millions poured into swing states by the Facebook CEO to hijack our elections. The Biden administration will do anything to keep the eye away from the massive irregularities and voter fraud that took place in the 2020 election. And uh, even so ridiculously as going after its own citizens as terrorists using the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, which should instead be focusing on the border, where millions of people from places unknown are pouring into our country. They are so desperate to hide the truth, they'll make it criminal to speak. Oh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I think I feel pretty satisfied that uh, President Trump sees it that way and that he is also making a comment on what is going on over at the Department of the Homeland Deep State or the Deep State Homeland. I guess that would be a better way to put it, wouldn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, all right. What are we going to do next? Here we go again. All right. Um, Let's go on to... uh, Actually, we have a story to kind of follow behind this statement from President Trump. And uh, that actually has to do with the uh, state of Georgia. Okay. Now, as noted here, uh, this was a statement primarily about what the DHS just released yesterday. However, you know, um, he made it a point to bring out several factors, several facts, several pieces of evidence regarding the fraud in the 2020 general election. A lot of them, from ballot harvesting to uh, ghost votes to phantom votes to, uh, to uh, what, uh, higher percentages of voters than, uh, uh, higher percentages of ballots than voters, the whole, sh- the whole shebang, the whole nine yards. Well, there's a brand new piece of information that has just been released from Voter GA, our friends over there in Georgia, the outstanding uh, grassroots of election integrity group that is headed up by the fabulous, the absolutely fabulous um, F- Garland Favorito. 
now what we have here now this what, what I'm going to share with you guys to kind of back up what President Trump's saying and what we're talking about here is uh, in Georgia how the election was stolen okay now as it turns out, uh, as we've been um, sharing with you guys through and through in regards to what's going on in Georgia, uh, we have we have finally gotten Garland Favorito to the point that he's not playing Mr. Nice Guy anymore. He's saying, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to say that there was fraud in this election. I hope that doesn't offend anybody but it's true. Okay. So he's really taking the gloves off guys. He's really taking those gloves off. And what we're seeing here is that, um, uh, what we're seeing here is that, uh, they have more evidence of it, but this time, this is more evidence that goes towards the intent. Okay. This is more evidence that goes into the cover up always exposes the crime kind of thing. So what we're talking about here is voter GA had, um, another press conference earlier today. And uh, we may actually play that back. Uh, maybe we'll do a watch party tomorrow. We'll see. Just so we can get it archived and we can make sure because this stuff could vanish. And they have it on Rumble. So I think it's pretty good that A, their feed won't cut. And B, they'll have it there archived, you know, for eternity. But who knows? Maybe Rumble will turn out to be a whole group of people who are on contract, secretly working for the deep state and laundering money through all of their channels. I don't know. That's what could happen, but I guess we'll find out. So um, let's see here. Uh, so we have a clip from that meeting, guys, uh, the press conference today. And what was found out is that not only did Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, facilitate the ballot harvesting that is now coming out, as mentioned by President Trump, as we've covered here at length at the Sea Report in regards to True the Vote and their election um, integrity efforts, okay, and their investigation into the fraud of 2020. Okay, not only did Brad Raffensperger facilitate that harvesting by allowing and pushing for these ballot drop boxes to be installed all throughout Georgia. Uh, against the uh, advice of those who had concerns for their location. We also have Brad Raffensperger utilizing, um, utilizing a report to prove that there was no ballot harvesting and that there was nothing untoward in the 2020 election. And it's kind of like, Brad, did you even read this report? Or if not that, one would have to put the accountability to those who created this report. And that was MITRE. MITRE is the name of the organization that did this report. Now, and then Bradford Raffensperger used this report to tell all of the uh, all of the representatives and senators that there was no ballot harvesting. Dominion did its job. It was the most secure election. Just read the MITRE report. But you don't got to take my word for it. Uh, let's check out this clip real quick from uh, Voter GA. Uh, Garland, if you don't mind, hun. Okay. Thank Garland. Okay, sorry. Uh, let me make sure we're set up for good sound, guys. And then while we're doing that, uh, we're going to go take care of Foxhole because they kicked me off again. Uh, so just give me a second and we'll take care of them. And let's see here. Yeah, it's a, some truths they just don't want out there. What can I say? All right, let's see here. Uh, some shows just, they have no favor. All right, let's go. Other rational explanation for these ballots that Susie Voles and Barbara Hartman found, other than the fact that they are counterfeit ballots and they're still there in the count, and the Secretary of State is blocking us from seeing it, 
along with the Attorney General, Chris Carr. One of the first things I did as Secretary of State was to ensure that ballot harvesting was illegal in Georgia. Yeah, right about that. Secretary of State implemented, I, I know it's, it's, this is, I know it's, I know it's irritating some of you in the room to listen to this, but this is true stuff. He, he, he gave this literally to the Congress. Uh, Brad Ravensburger implemented outdoor drop boxes. We didn't have a ballot harvesting problem in Georgia before 2020. Uh, that outdoor drop box theme created the problem that exists. There were so many problems. We told them, do not do this. If you're going to do it, put it in the, uh, uh, let the post office take, the, take them. Um, and, you know, they already got cameras. They've got somebody who can check an ID, just like they do for a financial transaction. You can even give them a little bit of money. They'll, they'll do better. So uh, they, they came up with this scheme, and then they failed to ensure that the chain of custody forms were completed for them. On top of that, the video surveillance has been an absolute joke, as David Hancock has pointed out. Gwinnett wanted 15000 bucks for a video. Then they, then later on, they took months and months to, uh, to and, you know, several counties took months to get, uh, to get the videos, and then they've been destroyed. Uh, the chain of custody, nobody, he did, there was no even requirement to know how many ballots were entered in drop boxes statewide. Nobody knows. Nobody knows because only a couple of counties kept those, those records. So in reality, he facilitated ballot harvesting in Georgia, and that was the problem with the 2020 election. No specific allegations of ballot harvesting have been brought forward. Uh, I beg your pardon. Uh, in addition to the true vote complaint that had of uh, 242 ballot harvesters, which he is now investigating, uh, which appears to be very credible, I'm going to run this little video for you. And you're going to see a ballot harvester. You may have already seen this. We have put this out. But um, here he is coming up to the screen. He's taking a picture of after he's fanned out all the ballots, pictures so he can get paid, which uh, according to the um, True the Vote was 10, 10 bucks a ballot, is what the whistleblower said they were getting paid. And there he is stuffing it into the ballot box. The drop box is big enough to hold a library book, as David Hancock pointed out in the last, um, in the last uh, session, the last time we were here. Here's another one. There's a ballot harvester counting his ballots and and uh and dropping them in so no evidence um i think that's one of the, maybe that might that might be the biggest pinocchio that we've had so far and now it's your turn bob um but nevertheless the miter corporations national election security lab conducted a statewide ballot harvesting analysis for the november elections across Georgia's 159 counties, didn't they? So uh, I just have to back up and show this to everybody. This is the 10-page document. And this is the letter that went to the United States Congress. And I spoke to probably over a dozen senators in the Georgia Congress. And guess how many of them knew this letter went out? Zero. Speaker they Ralston didn't know it went out. But some of them did reference the MITRE report. I want the MITRE report. And, and we had spoke about the MITRE report, and I really didn't know what it was when I first read about it. But I thought, you know, it, it's data analysis 
of election transparency, and there's nothing better than election transparency. But when you start looking at this report, the first paragraph it talks about in there about ballot harvesting, it says there's been no ballot harvesting in Georgia because no major network has said there was. That settles it. Now that is some brilliant analysis. Now what they do though, is they do do a lot of statistics in the front end and they, they, they make it look like this great statistical analysis. And then I ran across what some friends, well, I don't wanna say friends, what a, a group of scientists put together. So this is the analysis that Miter put together that said, you know, if you look at mail, mailed in ballots versus mailed in ballot requests, the relationship should remain the same. And if the relationship is different, you'll see an, an outlier on this line. Well, what they didn't look at as this group that did a critique on it is what is this way out here? And then what this group did, because they do have a statistician on the group, is they took that same data and just rotated it on the axis. And if you can look, son of a gun, what's way out here? Fulton, Gwinnett, uh, DeKalb, Cobb. So when you look at the MITRE data and you actually analyze it for what's there, guess what? It shows four outliers and two of those outliers do indicate that there's enough data that would have overturned the election. So if anybody would like copies of these reports, it's some really interesting reading. Okay, and we'll pause that there because, pardon me, that's actually the end of that clip. Okay, so if you guys followed, they have this thing called the MITRE report that came out promptly after all of these allegations, according to them, of fraud, etc., were occurring. And you got, uh, you got Garland Favrito, guys. I'm telling you, this is the most aggressive we've seen him ever, guys. He's just really, he's really taking those gloves off. He's really coming up to bat, guys. So you guys got to really admire this man, Garland Favrito. I'm telling you, he's one of my heroes, right? Okay, not even a Trump supporter, okay? He does not even support Trump. He's doing it for you, America. Okay, now with that said, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen... Uh, um, the MITRE Institute, these MITRE people, they created this uh, document. And with this document, um, uh, they did an analysis, scientific, et cetera, et cetera, about uh, the, the allegations of fraud in Georgia. In fact, they even touched into Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. And, and if you go all the way down into their appendix, uh, you know, they talk about Russia and, and Italy and stuff like that, which I just don't see how that um, assists them in their uh, cause. But however, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about this MITRE report. So now what we'll do is we'll actually take a look at it. Now, we're not going to read all of it, but like the uh, speaker was telling you guys here, uh, you know, there were outliers to this report. That, that, and basically what the MITRE report found is that everything, historically speaking, was pretty much in line with the growth that you would have seen of the Democrat Party in Georgia based on historical data, which I think is in sharp contrast to what people like Seth Keschel would have said. Seth Keschel would have been like, <laughs> no, that's not true. So, okay, so, uh, all right, let's continue. Okay, so here's that report 
from Mitre. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so uh, we're not going to read all of, the, all of this, obviously. This thing's like 30 or 40 pages long, but we'll look at some of what um, uh, what some of the other speaker was talking about, but also, more importantly, some, some of my own di- dissection, di- uh, analysis of this. And I say that because the graphs that he showed are the same here, but they don't have all the data that he showed. And also, I didn't see anything here about it, you know, the, the media saying it was X, Y, or Z. So anyhow, here we go. Uh, let's go. Ahead. Oh, and I was not able to highlight this thing either. They didn't allow any type of uh, editing. I guess highlighting is considered editing to them. So uh, just give me a minute to find the sections that we're going to look at. Uh, first thing we're going to see here in this report um, is about uh, the harvesting. Okay, so uh, uh, alleged ballot harvesting in Georgia. Okay, now keep in mind there's a big difference between ballot harvesting and what we saw through True the Vote, which is ballot trafficking. They harvested the vote, okay, uh, in a manner of speaking. Uh, Technically, what we saw through True the Vote, and we saw in that video there, the man showing, like, doing the katana fan of all those ballots, right? He's all, look at me, I'm katana. I'm the katana of election theft, right? Like, that is not, that is not harvesting the ballot, okay? That is trafficking the ballot. Harvesting is when they go and collect the ballots. So, yes, there was, technically speaking, ballot harvesting whenever the, uh, whenever the election representative came and picked up all the ballots. They were harvesting those ballots, but they were harvesting trafficked ballots. Now, based on what we know from what we've seen from True the Vote, and based on what we know from what we've studied about the Election Registration Information Center, otherwise what I like to call the Election Rigging Information Center, we can explain this very simply, and perhaps Garland Favorito should have been watching the C-Report so he could have said this too. But here we go, guys. Alleged ballot harvesting in Georgia. Okay. Now, It says here, in November, there were allegations of reported ballot harvesting in multiple states, including Georgia. Ballot harvesting is an illegal form of ballot collection. You see? Now, the people who are dropping off those ballots aren't collecting them. They're trafficking them, okay? Ballot collection is the gathering and submitting of uncompleted absentee or mail-in ballots. Now, Those people who were ballot harvesting weren't gathering and submitting those. They were picking them up at certain locations because as you guys may remember or maybe you don't know, what they found in that true the vote ballot trafficking, the the routes that these people were taking went back to political offices, to NGO build buildings. So that means they were probably picking up those ballots at those locations. Okay, so that's not really gathering and submitting. They're just doing a job. Okay, of course, it says that this is not allowable in practice in some of the states in the United States. That's true because there's some lefty, lefty states that allow you to do that. Um, especially by those where voting by mail is more common. Additionally, ballot collection can often provide a facilitated voting option for anyone who may be unable. So then they're going to put in the good word here. Uh, it, it is good to have this type of thing because it helps those who can't, you know, who are too lazy to get off their butt and don't care enough about their country to make it out to cast their vote or to request 
uh, an absentee ballot that's valid, okay? But generally, it's going to be people who are too lazy or don't care, okay? So uh, it tells you about how they perform their analysis, the type of uh, methods that they use to kind of figure out what they're doing. Uh, They said here, the first analytical approach compared the number of ballots requested by mail to the number of ballots returned for each county in Georgia. Now, this is the big graph that we were looking at in that video. This, what it did is it analyzed the ballots that were requested by mail to the ballots that were returned for each county in Georgia. And by and analyzing this data, they're able to determine that no ballot harvesting or trafficking took place. Well, I beg to differ as we'll see in just a moment. It says, if large amounts of absentee ballots were destroyed through ballot harvesting, we would expect the number of ballots returned to be significantly reduced relative to their counties. No, sir, you wouldn't expect that to be the case unless uh, you are totally ignoring the fact that you have an election registration information center that is turning on and off voter registrations. So uh, that's the big piece of the pie here that they're not fitting into it. Now, it also used data collected from the Georgia Secretary of State's website, uh, the log of Georgia mail-in ballots returned versus mail-in ballots requested, plots the numbers of ballots requested versus returned for all 159 counties, etc. Okay, so here is the graph that was shown to us in that video. And this is what they're analyzing. This blue line right here, This blue line right here, all that says is that that is the expected, this is the rate of of, uh, people who are voting, okay? Like, say this blue line is is what they're expecting, okay? Now, all of these little dots right here are representative of the um, anomalies, discrepancies, etc., okay, of whether or not, uh, you know, there was any um, destroyed ballots or missing ballots. In other words, the number of ballots that were requested versus the number of ballots that were returned. This, these dots track that. So that blue line is, is the, the number it should be, and the dots are on either side of it, whether it was too little or whether it was too late, okay? There's no way that you can determine this to be ballot harvesting if you're not considering the fact that there are not going to be any destroyed or missing or above normal um, uh, ballots being returned when the entire ballot system is based on a registration database that can turn off and turn on active voters, which means whenever they did their analysis... Okay, if it was if it was if it was ballot harvesting without the assistance of Eric, you would have a whole bunch of ballots requested. And when they're returned, they wouldn't have a matching address. That was another thing that they looked at. Okay, but because you have a matching address, they can go ahead and keep that ballot securely, knowing that no one's going to question it. No one's going to be like, oh, wait, this, this, uh, this doesn't add up. And, and the way they would have determined this to be ballot harvesting is say if one of these dots was way down here or one of these dots was way up here. If one of these dots was way away from the blue line, that would have given them, um, that would have given them evidence of an anomaly. OK, that's you're not going to see that if you have a system like the electronic, uh, the election registering information center. Eric, who we've been talking about the last few days. OK. If that thing did not exist, 
this thing, these dots would have been off the chart, okay? Now, of course, the good speaker was referring to these four dots in this corner, and that is Gwinnett, that is Polk, uh, that is DeCab and, uh, no, Cobb and Folt, sorry, not Polk, Polk is in Pennsylvania. That is Gwinnett, this is DeCab, this is Cobb, and this is Fulton, right up here, okay? But that's not what this was analyzing, okay? That's not what this was analyzing. So it says here, um, a point located far below the blue line could indicate an anomalous event such as large numbers of ballots being destroyed in the country. So if you get a dot way down here, that means they destroyed those ballots and that's versus what was requested. Conversely, a point above the blue line could indicate large numbers of ballots being artificially submitted. So that means, oh, well, these are all fake ballots. They're never going to see them. You're not going to see the destroyed ballots because guess what? The people who voted, okay, and their vote did not count, their account was turned off by Eric. And so when they went to go look for them, people were surprised. But you'll never see artificial inflation of ballots here because Eric is covering for them, okay? Eric is covering for all of the hundreds of thousands of ballots that got dumped. And so you're never going to see that anomaly. You're never going to see it because Eric covered for them. The Election Rigging Information Center covered for all of the fake dumped ballots by keeping their voter roll so inflated that they could literally use those voter registration accounts to turn on and turn off when they need it to suit their needs. That's what we're learning. That's what we're discovering. That is the truth that is coming out. So that's basically what they did. That was kind of like a summation of one of the analysis that's being debunked by people like Garland Favorito, Voter GA, and I guess here and now myself as well. Okay. All right. And I think I think we're pretty good there, guys. We could look at one other thing here. They used also uh, they also looked at the Dominion stuff as well. And we'll skip down here to the Dominion stuff. They didn't talk about this uh, in the in the segment that we just watched. But uh, Dominion, Dominion, where are you at, baby? OK, so. um Okay. Alleged irregularities in Dominion machines. What was alleged after the election? There were many allegations made in national media outlets that Dominion voting systems machines had switched votes from Donald Trump to Biden. To this date, no evidence of the claims that Dominion voting machines flipped any votes have been provided to and published by national media outlets. Oh, that's what that guy was saying. So it must be true because no, because all the national media outlets have been sued and they all turned tail and they all went and hide like scared little puppies. They went and cried like Nancy Kerrigan. Anyways, so it says here, additionally, social media posts claim that Dominion voting machines deleted large numbers of Trump votes and that states using Dominion voting system machines were switched from Trump votes to Biden. Okay, so they performed their analysis here. Okay, and it says... Um, Manipulated uh, manipulation by Dominion machines would likely be reflected in the election results data in the form of unexpected spikes in Democrat support. <laughs> Check this out. So if Dominion manipulate the machines, you're going to see unheard of spikes in Democrat numbers. So look at their charts. Now, they don't include Fulton County in this for some reason. Let me see what their reason is. For some reason, they do not include Fulton County. I think their reason was because we already saw a trend of Democrats growing in Fulton. So we're just not going to include that county and give you their numbers. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what the reason was as I read through this. Uh, let's see here. 
It says uh, seven of the counties are in Georgia and one is in Michigan. Now that is uh, the, the, the inflation of votes. It's not this one. Let me see here. Uh, if only I could have highlighted this. Uh, uh, let me see. The second method. Okay. The second method looked for counties that were more than two standard devi deviations away from the mean. Um, let's see what's going on. No, no, that's not it either. Oh, the outliers. There we go. The outliers. That's what we're looking for. So there were 16 counties that were out identified as outliers. 10 of those are from Georgia, four from Michigan and one from Arizona and one from Wisconsin. Seven of the counties were won by Trump, despite large increase in Democrat support. So, oh, that must mean that we don't got to look at that, right? It says, as an example, Cherokee County, Georgia, which increased its support from Democrat candidates by 6.8 percent uh, points from 2016, but still finished below 30 percent of the total vote. The outlier counties range in size from 1,557 votes to 2 million votes. OK, so that's what we're seeing. We, they had they had more a higher count of Democrat voters than they expected by 1,500 to 2 million votes. Now, here's why they exclude Fulton. Fulton County, Georgia, which received a lot of attention after the election, was not considered as an outlier in our analysis because the increase in its Democrat support was in line with the rest of the state at 3.6. So they don't even need to care about how many extra votes were there. But for the rest of them, uh, these are the top 10 here that include Cobb County, Gwinnett County, and if I'm not mistaken, these counties are in line with the uh, routes that the ballot traffickers would take, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so uh, Georgia dominates the list of outliers and receives the most of the media coverage about the alleged Dominion irregularities. Check out these. Okay, so again, Cobb County right here, Gwinnett County right here. You see these massive spikes right up here? Now, that's a 2016 vote, but then you have the numbers are 2020. So you see this gradual uptick, okay? And again, they're ignoring Fulton County, and they're not looking at the fact that you had Eric there to kind of uh, assist them in that theft. And that's what Eric is there for, guys. Eric is there to give them cover for all the fake ballots that they're putting in the system. So anyways, that's your amateur analysis for Mr. C at the C Report in regards to what uh, Garland Favorito was talking about over there at that meeting. Very interesting, guys. Very interesting indeed. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic for tonight because guess what? We still got a lot of ground to cover and the hour is getting late. Okay, uh, let's look at the next story here. Whoops, what did I just push? Go away. Ah, who dat? Who dat lady? Okay, uh, this is uh, Claudia Tenney, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, we have a an endorsement for Claudia. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We got another President Trump statement, uh, and this one is an uh, President Trump's kind of like you know. Um, providing the outline for tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so let's see what President Trump had to say about Claudia. We got two endorsements from President Trump tonight, guys. Oh, is this going to be fun? Okay, get ready. Get your, get your seatbelts, get your popcorn, get your snacks, because you're not going to want to miss the next part of this show. All right, Claudia Tenney. In regards to Claudia Tenney, President Trump saith, 
Claudia Tenney is a fantastic representative for the Southern tier and a great member of Congress. She is strong on crime, securing our border, the Second Amendment, and will always fight for our wonderful veterans and our military. Claudia has my complete and total endorsement. She will continue fighting for America First Agenda in the Southern Tier, Western New York, and throughout New York 23. Wow, we got an endorsement from President Trump from someone who is in the state of New York. That is, uh, that's heartening. That's good to see. I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear, glad to hear that President Trump has found some trustworthy allies in the state of New York. But of course, ladies and gentlemen, the question du jour, the hot topic is, oh, Mr. Trump, you might have endorsed someone from New York, but can you trust that person? Now, this is a topic of most contentious debate amongst the uh, America First MAGA movement patriots. And I would say that this topic of debate is valid and is more important than whether or not it's the real President Trump speaking at a rally, okay? Like, this is more important. Do we trust who he endorsed or not? Now, a lot of people will say, no, don't. Uh, And I agree with that. I say trust, but verify. But uh, we should get into debates about the candidates he's endorsing as opposed to whether or not his red tie means that he's uh, orange man bad or if his blue tie means that he's like a clone. Okay. let's talk about Vernon Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Vernon Jones, when we're talking about. President Trump endorsements. Now, I will, as an outright disclaimer, let you guys know that we here, which is basically just me and my spirit animal, uh, had been, had been, had been supporters of Vernon Jones for quite some time, for quite some time. Um, Vernon Jones has uh, been very vocal Uh, in his support for President Trump, has been very vocal and been an advocate for election integrity, uh, for uh, securing the border. And he seems to have kind of popped up everywhere, ladies and gentlemen, and kind of been like the it man for Georgia. He was previously running for the governorhood uh, or the governorship of Georgia, We all know that that dream of his was derailed when President Trump gave that endorsement to David Perdue instead of to Vernon Jones. Now, one would have to wonder, why would President Trump not endorse Vernon Jones? He's been a vocal advocate for President Trump. He's been a Trump cheerleader. He's been cheerleading for Trump all but short of having actual pom-poms and a, a, a manual bullhorn, ladies and gentlemen. Well, President Trump has indeed endorsed Vernon Jones. He has endorsed Vernon Jones for the 10th district in the state of Georgia. Let's take a look at what President Trump had to say about Mr. Jones. Here we go. Hello, sir. How you doing today? He's got something to say about Vernon Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, I'm President Donald Trump. And when it comes to Georgia's 10th congressional district, I have only one choice, and the man's name is Vernon Jones, a very special person. 
He's an America first fighter who will never back down to either the establishment or the radical left. Few fought harder for election integrity in 2020 than Vernon. And he's a big supporter of a very good man running for governor, David Perdue. He has my complete and total endorsement. Vernon will not let you down. Let's send a true patriot to Congress. So, ladies and gentlemen, needless to say, or maybe we're not aware of it, but there is a firestorm, a firestorm that is brewing around Vernon Jones. I mean, it is massive, guys. It seems like wherever Vernon Jones goes, drama follows. I mean, when we're talking about a firestorm, guys... A massive firestorm has whipped around Vernon Jones as his story begins to unfold. Now, what do I mean by that, guys? Um, apparently, there are a, there's there are a lot of there are a lot of things coming out about Vernon Jones. I will say to begin with, and like I said, we were very big supporters of Vernon Jones. Now, Deplore Laura says that Trump should have backed Candace Taylor instead of David Perdue. I don't know. I know, uh, I, I like Candace Taylor. I like Candace Taylor. Uh, David Perdue, I know, has been fighting for, has been fighting for, um, um, uh, President Trump, but I, you know, I don't know a whole lot about Perdue myself. Uh, conversely speaking over here at, um, at, uh, the Foxhole, uh, we got, uh, uh, Locke says that he likes the Vern. I, I, I used to like the Vern as well. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit of that more in a minute. We're gonna, we're gonna. Th- this is this is the main story for tonight, guys. We're gonna wrap it on this story, okay? It's a we got a lot of drama to cover, uh, and what I would like to do is we're just gonna put this information out there, and we're gonna we're gonna create a platform for you to ask the question about how you feel about Vernon Jones uh, moving forward, uh, just like we've done with uh, all of the stories that we share here at the C Report. Now, uh, what we're going to play next is actually uh, when we're talking about a firestorm coming up around Vernon Jones. Okay, Um, we have President Trump who did not endorse Vernon Jones for governor. In fact, it appears that President Trump encouraged him to not run for governor. One would have to wonder why. But what we do have here that's also come up out of this is we have um, someone else who is running for Congress uh, who is a Trump ally. Uh, He goes by the name of Mike Collins. That is his name. Now, Mike Collins, again, a conservative, a MAGA patriot, uh, an America first patriot, uh, a Trump ally, who has not been endorsed by President Trump, I might add, uh, but has been endorsed by others, he has actually released a video um, that is an attack ad against Vernon Jones. Okay, so uh, that's got some people wondering about it. So we're going to play that video now. Okay. All right, cool, excellent. Uh, So let's get this video going. Now, this is an attack ad again. Now, this is Mike Collins. Oh, let me also add this to you guys about Mike Collins. Mike Collins, again, is a very big Trump supporter. He, however, has not been endorsed by President Trump, okay? 
He has not been endorsed by President Trump. He was endorsed, however, by General Michael Flynn. Now, when Mike Collins released this campaign ad against Vernon Jones, General Flynn rescinded his endorsement of Mike Collins, and he gave that endorsement to Vernon Jones. So here you have President Trump endorsing Vernon Jones. Here you have General Michael Flynn endorsing Vernon Jones. Um, But the question will remain at the end of this episode is, is this endorsement of Vernon Jones founded or has it been confounded, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, there's Michael Flynn. Let's go ahead and play that ad by Mike, uh, uh, by, uh, Mike Collins about Vernon Jones. This is just the top of the iceberg, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a lot more ways to go, so stay tuned. What do you get when you cross a con man, a carpetbagger, and a Democrat with a rap sheet? You get Vernon Jones. Vernon Jones is a lifelong Democrat and career politician from DeKalb County. The same Vernon Jones accused of rape. The Vernon Jones accused of pushing a Republican county official. The Vernon Jones arrested for brandishing a firearm. The Vernon Jones guilty of campaign finance violations. The Vernon Jones investigated by a grand jury for misusing money on a personal security detail. The Vernon Jones who voted against a police pay increase and pro-life legislation. The Vernon Jones who embraced Barack Obama. The Vernon Jones found guilty of workplace hostility and reverse racism against white employees. The Vernon Jones who assaulted a widow. The Vernon Jones who a special grand jury said he was part of a culture of incompetence, fraud, and cronyism. Scandal-plagued Vernon Jones has been running for office as a Democrat since 1990. He's a lot of things. Con man, charlatan, chameleon, criminal. But he's no conservative. So I don't know what you guys think about that. Do you guys think this is true? Do you guys think that anything that, uh, let me get this off the screen before it turns into something terrible. Do you think that uh, anything that Mike Collins had to say is true about Vernon Jones? Well, you know, I can't just settle down on my laurels and just take the word of anyone. What I can tell you is the likes of General Mike Flynn and the Gateway Pundit have come to the defense for Vernon Jones. In fact, uh, General Flynn has said, uh, these are outright lies. This is disgusting. And I'm taking away my endorsement of Mike Collins and I'm giving it to Vernon Jones. Okay, so definitely General Flynn feels a certain way about this attack ad. The Gateway Pundit says that Vernon Jones has always been there for President Trump and has always been there for MAGA. So there's no way this man is a grifter, a user or any other types of negativity. Um, so like I said, guys, uh, I've been a supporter of Vernon Jones. Now I'm always open to, uh, realigning my beliefs based on facts that come forward. With that said, I will also admit this innocent mistake because Vernon Jones, from my understanding was, as the ad said, a lifelong Democrat, okay, who switched over to Trump's side and became a Republican. Now, I remember this almost clear as day, ladies and gentlemen. I remember all of the pundits. I remember the independents. I remember even the mainstream, lamestream fake news media making a big hoopla that a lifelong black Democrat had become a Republican. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember. We even, I even talked about it on old shows that 
I used to be on and we thought it was amazing and pretty cool and we thought that made a really big statement about uh, about the optic optics of a black Americans being Republican and conservative. It was a big deal. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I will also say this. I made a big mistake because I wasn't thinking about Vernon Jones. I was thinking about this man here. Leo Terrell. Okay. Now, Leo Terrell is the one that I was, uh, I, we were referencing to now. I went back and looked and it was Leo Terrell was the one who they made a huge deal about. Like Leo, it was like Leo Terrell, this lifelong Democrat civil rights attorney, this, uh, speaker for the black community. You know, he is, he is relinquishing his, um, allegiance to the Democrat party. He is becoming a Republican conservative. He is supporting Trump. That's the man that I was thinking Vernon Jones was. I was so wrong, okay? The difference between Vernon Jones and Leo Terrell is night and day, black and white, dark and night, whatever you want to say. But this is the man that I was thinking of whenever Vernon Jones reemerged onto the scene. Now, uh, Leo Terrell, for those of you who don't know, is an American civil rights attorney and talk radio host based in Los Angeles, California. He has frequently appeared on Fox News programs such as Hannity and the O'Reilly Factor. He was previously a Democrat. And in July of 2020, in an interview, he declared his support for President Donald Trump. The first time he declared support for a Republican Party presidential candidate. Referring to his new self as Leo 2.0, Terrell says that he is a happier person as a Republican. I thought this was Vernon Jones, okay? My bad, all right? But Leo Terrell is the man that I was like, this is amazing. Vernon Jones came out of the blue again. Or he seems to have reemerged again in recent years, riding the wave of MAGA support and Trumpism. And that's kind of where I'm taking it now. And now that I see the error that I had made in, in, in confusing these two individuals, okay, I can clearly see a bitter, bigger picture now about Vernon Jones. Now, like I said, I trusted Vernon Jones. I liked Vernon Jones. I was like, this is the man for governor. If it wasn't between him and if it wasn't between uh, uh, Candace Taylor, those were the two. I was like, I was like, well, what are they going to do when it gets down to a runoff? Is one of them going to like concede and like help the other so we don't split the ticket? How is Georgia going to fix this? Right? Okay. Let's talk about Vernon Jones in relationship to his lifelong career as a Democrat. Now, Jones began his political career as a Democrat. He became a Republican and announced it in January. Okay. In January. And uh, let me see. I think this was of 21. No, no, no. Oh, this was in, in uh, January of 2020, okay? So, and I don't remember any hoopla about him, okay? About Vernon Jones coming out. He had made a speech at the 2020 Republican National Convention, okay? Uh, now, prior to that, he was a Georgia state representative. He was elected as a Democrat and, oh, I take that back. It was January 6th, 2021. My bad. Uh, Vernon Jones announced on January 6th, 2021, that he was joining the Republican Party. Okay. All right. Now, the only thing that I can say about this, guys, 
because uh, we've already been talking about psychological operations and we've already talking about intelligence operations. I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like this is kind of an example of a sleight of hand that the media establishment, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the deep state establishment, what they'll do in order to, I don't know, like buffer or like uh, steamroll over like really significant moments. You know, like if you got someone like Leo Terrell going from lifelong Democrat to Republican, they'll throw in a character like Vernon Jones, lifelong Democrat to Republican. And then they'll use that person to really just uh, augment whatever it is that they're trying to do. Now, do we know this to be the case? I don't know. Vernon Jones could be a changed man. Vernon Jones could very well be um, what we're looking for, right? Okay, he could be the voice of a generation, okay? Uh, Because otherwise, what I just said about this entire sleight of hand would be a very highly complex zeitgeist psychological operation wherein uh, the deep state uses uh, characters like Vernon to cover over or mask events or people in order for that to go out of the, what? Collective memory. Uh, But let's get back to uh, Vernon Jones and his... uh, Let's get back to Vernon Jones and his gubernatorial race, guys. Okay. Now, uh, like I said, these are, this is just food for thought, guys. This is You take this where you will. I already know where I stand, but you guys take this where you will because, again, um, I'm not here to cause division or infighting. I'm just here to ask the question and to challenge uh, popular uh, um popular uh, opinion, particularly if it's merited. Okay. So uh, let's look at this article from the dishonorable mention uh, Forbes and see what they have to say about uh, Vernon Jones and his gubernatorial race. Okay. It says uh, Vernon Jones is staying in Georgia's governor race, but Trump wants him to drop out. Okay. So a former Georgia state rep, Vernon Jones, indicated Wednesday he plans to remain a candidate in the state's Republican gubernatorial primary, despite former president, their words not mine, Donald Trump reportedly offering him a deal to drop out. Uh, Key facts. Jones, who left the Democrat Party uh, after backing Trump in 2020. okay, so it says 2020 here, tweeted, my priority is and has been since day one is to do whatever it takes to beat defeat Brian Kemp. According to CNN, Trump spoke with Jones at Mar-a-Lago last week and suggested he drop out as the former president, their words, not mine, works to clear the field for former Senator David Perdue, who Trump has endorsed to take on incumbent Governor Brian Kemp. Trump reportedly told Jones he should run for Congress in either Georgia's 6th or 10th district, congressional districts, offering an immediate endorsement if he did so. Uh, So it says here, polls show Jones running a distant third behind Kemp and Purdue in the GOP primary. A Quinnipiac University survey last month found Kemp in the lead with 43% support, followed by Purdue at 36% and Jones at 10%. uh, And Jones and Purdue are running a similar anti-Kemp platform, blasting the governor for not intervening to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Uh, The Georgia's governor race is one of the most widely anticipated contests of the 2022 midterms, and the GOP primary will be a major test of the power of Trump's endorsements against an incumbent with high approval ratings among Republicans. Last month's Quinnipiac poll showed Kemp holding a 70% favorability among Republicans. Okay, I think we can go ahead and... So the GOP primary in Georgia will be held on May 24th. 
The general election is on November 8th. So mark those dates down, guys, because that's going to be exciting. Okay, let's go ahead. Now, this article comes to us from The Hill. And it talks about Jones dropping his bid. Jones drops bid for Georgia governor to run for Congress. Former Georgia State Representative Jones announced on Monday that he would drop out of the race for governor to instead pursue his bid for Congress. Jones says, after much prayer and consideration and talking to President Trump, I have decided that I can best serve the people of Georgia in Congress of the United States. He says, I believe that strong conservative voices need to be heard as we lead America into the future. And then it talks about the statement that uh, President Trump released endorsing David Perdue. He says, I am proud to have his support. Oh, this is David Perdue talking. I am proud to have his support, uh, to have his support of our Trump endorsed campaign. Oh, he must be talking about Vernon Jones. Sorry, I'm skipping. I'm skipping through the lines, not reading through them. Uh, so uh, Purdue says of Jones, because conservatives are united and ready to beat Stacey Abrams. I appreciate Vernon's willingness to serve and look forward to working together to get big, big things done for Georgia. Uh, Jones' announcement came days after he met with Trump at the former president's Mar-a-Lago resort in Palm Beach, Florida. And so we pretty much know the rest of the story from there. So where are we going from here, ladies and gentlemen? Okay. All right. Before you guys focus in on that headline, (laughs) before you focus in on that headline, so what I did is based on stories I had previously heard about Vernon Jones and also based on that attack ad, I went digging to see if these stories were true and unfounded or to see if this was just a bunch of hogwash from a possible shill Rhino who's trying to um, beat Jones out in the 10th Congressional District of Georgia. It's always possible, guys. We know that this is what they do best, right? They lie, they deceive, they mudsling, and, you know, they wrap up smear campaign. So it's very possible. It's very possible. And after all, uh, General Michael Flynn's not on uh, Mike Collins' side anymore. He's on Vernon Jones. But the question about whether or not the candidates they're endorsing are reliable or trustworthy is a common theme among the Patriot, uh, you know, a community. So why not just throw all this information out there and let you guys decide for yourself? Now, we're going to look at two dishonorable mention articles to start. <clears throat> and what I did is I went back into... Uh, the, the way back time machine, I found some articles like this one I'm going to read is from 2010. And what I wanted to know is when Vernon Jones was a Democrat, what were the people in the Democrat party saying about him? What were, what was the general vibe of Vernon Jones back then? Does he have a track record? Does he have receipts that, uh, that culminate in that attack ad that we saw from Mike Collins or not. So uh, this comes from a magazine or a newspaper, a group called Project Q. I'm pretty sure it stands for Project Queer and not Q, like the Q movement. So, okay, it's a gay magazine. It says, Vernon Jones is back. His gay record still stinks. Uh, It says Vernon Jones and his lackluster record on LGBT issues is back and the mercurial former DeKalb County CEO wants to unseat one of Georgia's most gay friendly members of Congress, Hank Johnson. We'll go and skip over this part about Hank Johnson. So uh, it says right here. 
In other words, the only way Johnson could become more supportive of the gays is to come out and tell Oprah about his life on the down low inside the Beltway. Short of that, his support of same-sex unison uh, unions puts Johnson far ahead of Jones, who did little to support LGBT issues while at the helm of the second largest county in Georgia. In fact, Jones takes most every chance he can to knock gay marriage. He did so during the 2004 debate in Georgia over a constitutional amendment banning gay marriage and again during his failed primary campaign in 2008 for U.S. Senate, where he worked to be be to be the most conservative Democrat in the race by proudly recalling that he twice voted for George W. Bush. So right here, the idea I'm getting is that uh, the Democrats have always not liked Jones because he's been a dino, a a Democrat in name only. That's good for his record, right? Like I said, we're going to lay out the stories here. So that's good for his record. You know, he, 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 maybe he was, uh, maybe he was just parading around moonlighting as a Democrat, trying to get that Republican conservative, uh, fight in there for, for true values of conservative people. And he was just pretending to be a Democrat or maybe that was the only way he was able to get into politics to begin with. I don't know. Let's continue to see what it has to say. We've got several articles to cover on this front. Now, it says here, Jones announced on Friday his bid to unseat Johnson. Two other candidates are also in the race, DeKalb Commissioners Connie Stokes and Lee May. The district, which includes a heavy helping of gay voters in DeKalb, has long been a popular seat for progressive lawmakers. Kathy Woolard, the first openly gay elected official, resigned for uh, resigned her post as Atlanta City Council president in 2004 to run for the post, though she lost in the Democrat primary. Johnson, despite a bout with hepatitis C, <clears throat> wants a third term. Jones, known as much for his flamboyance, charisma, and sex capades, as for his leadership deftness, pledged that he ch- he's a changed man during his campaign announcement. Jones said, For the past year, I've done a lot of reflecting and listening. I've realized I made some mistakes in the past and I've certainly learned from them. I've learned humility and I've learned contrition or contrition. Standing in front of a jobs first banner, Jones said he'd tap his experience as a businessman, state lawmaker and county chief executive to help small businesses and spur job creation in the district, which includes parts of DeKalb, Gwinnett and Rockdale counties. But Jones did not illustrate that his position against gay marriage or lack of vocal support for much of the LGBTQs has changed. Okay, so the gays don't like him. Let's see what this article... This article comes from uh, uh, Down With Tyranny, okay? And this is another leftist publication. Uh, It says here, Black Georgia House conservative Democrat Vernon Jones endorses Trump. So what do they have to say about him, okay? Uh, They say, not all Democrats are any good. Some suck crap in the morning, noon, and night. Take Representative Vernon Jones, a little-known swindler and racist from DeKalb County, although not from the part in the districts he represents in the Atlanta suburbs. He, he's run for everything short of governor and lost all his races since in the last two decades, basically a vanity candidate. Finally, in 2016, voters gave in and, recognizing his name, elected him to the Georgia State House as a Democrat. 
representing parts of DeKalb and Rockdale counties. He's virulently anti-gay, anti-immigrant, and pro-NRA, and happily describes himself as a conservative Democrat. So this bodes well for Jones, right? We're looking at the longer track record, though, not the short-sighted, what is he voting for? What are his policies? Look at the track record, guys. He admits he voted for George W. Bush in the 2004 and has already personally donated thousands of dollars to the Georgia Republican Party. I'm shocked Sherry Bustos hasn't recruited him to run as a DCC candidate yet. I might add, if we don't like rhinos, why would we approve of a dino? Period. Would we rather not any candidate that we support be forthright, forthcoming, and upfront from the jump? Or are we willing to go ahead and make exceptions or rationalize that someone like Vernon Jones seemingly is utilizing the same tactics against Democrats that we do not approve of as Republicans or conservatives? Now, that's kind of a moral question. Some people don't mind using dark side tactics in their Jedi efforts, and some people totally abstain from it. Like me, I don't got to play their game to beat their game. I just got to stay focused. That's just me speaking. But uh, not everyone's the same way. Now, it says here, Jones District is is preposterous and over 70% African-American. I wonder how they'll vote in the June 9th primary when Jones faces off against Rhonda Taylor, who he defeated in 2016 to first win the seat. This time, there will likely be just one issue. Jones' endorsement of Senor Trumpanzee. (laughs) Ha! Oh, God, they got me to read that. Top Georgia Democrats responded by pointing out that Jones is a narcissist seeking attention and by endorsing Taylor. Jones defended himself by citing phony Trump talking points that seek to deceive African-American voters. Like I said, this is a leftist publication, guys, so try not to cringe too hard. This is for studying and academic purposes only. Uh, State Senator Nakima Williams, the chair of the Georgia Democrat Party, called him an embarrassment. Never has that been clearer than this moment when he chose to stand with the racist president who has made an all-out assault on black Americans, who has tried to rip away American health care, and who has failed our country in its greatest time of need. Jones Jones launched his political career in the early 1990s in the Georgia House before winning the first of two terms as DeKalb County's top executive in 2000. His stint was marked by controversy. His administration shepherded rapid development and more than $35 million worth of funding for parks and infrastructure, but he drew intense scrutiny for angry outburst and an accusation of rape that he said was a consensual act between three partners. No charges were filed. A special grand jury in 2013 recommended an investigation into allegations against Jones of bid rigging and theft when he was CEO, but the then district attorney said he lacked evidence to show any crimes had occurred. While in political exile, Jones mounted unsuccessful runs for the U.S. Senate, the U.S. House, and DeKalb Sheriff before his victory and DeKalb-based House seat returned him to the state capitol four years ago. Since he regained office, Jones has routinely allied himself with Republican lawmakers in the legislature, including co-sponsoring a measure this year that would crack down on unauthorized immigrants. And his social media posts crackle with positive messages about Trump. Okay, so, you know, that's just the rest of them complaining about him not being a true Democrat, okay, but about pulling the wool over their eyes, about lying to them, about deceiving them, etc. So let's move away from this article. We're going to go on to an article that's a little less biased. Okay, 
this one comes from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Okay, it's another MSM type of a uh, um, local outside of uh, Georgia or inside Georgia. But let's see what they have to say. All about Vernon Jones. Okay. Um, Vernon Jones answers a quote. That's the caption. I apologize. So it says here, uh, state rep Vernon Jones has had one of the more checkered political careers in Georgia in the past few decades. Let's take a look at some of the scandals. After Jones won re-election in 2004 as DeKalb County CEO, the headlines began to pile up. He was accused of rape that he said was a consensual act between three partners. No charges were filed. Four DeKalb workers filed a lawsuit that claimed Jones worked to replace white managers in the Parks Department with African Americans. The lawsuit said Jones and other county officials said they wanted a darker administration to reflect the new DeKalb County. Six years later, a federal court jury awarded two of those uh, employees $185,000 in damage. Okay, and there's your uh, photo and your photo credit. The wife of DeKalb County police officer assigned to guard Jones said the CEO urged her not to report a 2004 incident in which her husband threatened her and a male companion. The DeKalb County Development Authority funded a $3,500 trip to the 2004 Olympics in Athens, uh, Greece for Jones. Jones said the trip was to attract Olympic-related business to DeKalb. By 2007, state lawmakers had taken notice of Jones and started to introduce bills that would limit the DeKalb CEO's powers. He was term-limited out of the CEO job in 2008. A special grand jury recommended an investigation into allegations of bid rigging and theft by Jones when he was CEO. The district attorney, however, said he lacked evidence to show any crimes had occurred. The politics of Vernon Jones. Jones has run as Democrat, but does not march to the beat of a political party. In 2000, he endorsed Democrat Howard Dean's presidential bid, but voted for Republican George W. Bush. In 2007, he said he backed the idea of a fair tax, which is a flat tax proposal that has some support in conservative and libertarian circles. During the 2008 campaign, Barack Obama called out Jones for sending a mailer with a manipulated photo that showed the two of them on the same stage. Obama said, I do not endorse him. I have, <coughs> I have not, <clears throat> I have not endorsed him. He put my picture on his literature without asking me. <clears throat> he says, I think I may have come to an event of ours a while back. The reason I think I may have met him is I know somebody told me I was shaking his hand that he had taken a pride, he had taken pride in voting for George W. Bush twice. And there is that photo. <laughs> So apparently, yes, Vernon Jones and Barack Obama can. All right. Now, moving right along. Uh, It goes on to say Jones supports the National Rifle Association and received a campaign donation from the gun rights group in 2016. Before Trump spoke at the 2017 NRA annual meeting in Atlanta, Jones wrote an editorial in the AJC calling it a tremendous honor for Atlanta to welcome Donald Trump to our city. But Jones also gave a strong warning to Republicans in 2019 as they were considering one of the strictest anti-abortion bills in the county, which later passed. So he's pro-life. If your members vote for this bill in 2020, your party loses, Jones said. There's going to be a new speaker of the House here. If there's a new speaker, many in your party will lose power. All of you will lose your chairmanships. History. Jones got his start in politics in 1990, running for the state house. He lost. 
He, uh, but the then manager for Bell South Mobility won two years later in House District 57. As his first legislative session began, Jones filed a bill that would remove the Confederate battle emblem from the background of the state flag. This bill did not advance and the flag would not change until about a decade later. In 1998, he filed a bill that would outlaw selling music with explicit lyrics to minors. During the debate on the House floor, Jones was blocked from playing some songs. Instead, Jones read choice lyrics out loud, self-editing wherever necessary. The bill did not pass. There's a picture of him with Kevin Federline. Okay, moving right along. Jones is often described as well-dressed and favors designer clothing. He spent well on himself uh, and sometimes sought public money to do so. He won the DeKalb County CEO race in 2000 and found controversy before he took office. He asked the outgoing CEO for $25,000 to $50,000 to pay for a secretary and other expenses before he took office. That amount approached what Governor Roy Barnes got a year before the request was rejected. A year later, Jones implemented a dress code for employees and asked a shoeshine man to set up shop in the DeKalb County office building. In 2003, the AJC reported DeKalb spent $630,000 for Jones, security detail far surpassing other county officials. I'm 24-7, Jones said at the time. There's no time off uh, there's no off time for the CEO of DeKalb County. The feathers come with the chicken. A grand jury examined the issue and found high-handed behavior by Jones and recommended curbing his power. Governing. His admit administration shepherded a rapid development and more than $350 million worth of funding for parks and infrastructure. He cited as accomplishments the hiring of more police officers, improving the county's 911 system, and launching a curbside recycling program. In 2006, Jones was ahead of the curve on distracted driving. He pitched a measure to fine drivers $100 if they caused a wreck while talking on a cell phone. The commission upped it to $500. There's Jones picking up the trash. <clears throat> Former DeKalb County CEO uh, engaged in a campaign tradition when he kicked off his campaign for sheriff in February. Jones, who has never been a sworn law enforcement officer, joined seven other candidates vying for the post that is wide open after Sheriff Tom Brown left to run the office for uh, to run for Congress. I think that baby's face says it all. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Cute little kid. Jones never stopped running for office. In 2010, he unsuccessfully challenged U.S. Representative Hank Johnson in the 4th Congressional District. In 2014, Jones lost an election for DeKalb Sheriff. Two years later, he returned to the state capitol with a victory in in-house District Number 91. Back in the Capitol, he has regularly partnered with Republican lawmakers. He co-sponsored a bill to crack down on unauthorized immigrants and his social media posts crackle with positive messages about Trump. He also he's also drawn the ire of Democrats. He's called a fellow Democrat lawmaker a chicken crap and was accused of making transphobic comments to a Doraville city council member who Jones said tried to draw a comparison between being black and being gay. In April 2020, Jones announced he was resigning his state house seat, but walked that back the next day. Instead, he withdrew his candidacy before the Georgia primary and will leave office at the end of 2020. In a video posted on Twitter at the time, not long after his endorsement of Trump, Jones said he received an overwhelming amount of support from his constituents after announcing his plan to resign.
So yeah, there's a lot to consider, ladies and gentlemen, when we are making assessments, at least when I was making my assessment of the situation. Found a lot of stuff, you know. Uh, we're not done yet. So that, that article highlighted some of the scandals that he was involved with. Let's take a look at the racism claim. Is Vernon Jones a racist? What did they find? What was the summation of this allegation, ladies and gentlemen? And we'll go ahead and turn here again. This is to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution once again. It says, uh, DeKalb discrimination suit Jones ordered to pay. A federal court jury on Thursday awarded two former DeKalb County Park employees $185,000 in damage in the long-running racial discrimination case against the county. In the culmination of a case that would that wound that wound through the courts for six years, the jurors found that former DeKalb CEO Vernon Jones, Jones' former executive assistant Richard Stogner, former Parks Director Marilyn Boyd Drew, and DeKalb County itself were liable for damages. Among the defendants, however, only DeKalb County was found to be responsible for racial discrimination. The jury said that Jones, Stogner, and Drew created and maintained a hostile work environment. The damages were awarded to only two of the plaintiffs, Michael Bryant, who died in February, and John Drake, both former deputy directors of the Parks Department. On behalf of the plaintiffs, I am disappointed with the size of the verdict. Lead plaintiff's lawyer, Mike Bauer, said, but I have the greatest respect for the jury and its verdict. Bowers had asked for $2 million in damages, but the plaintiffs said they would also ask the court to order the defense to pay their legal fees, which are estimated at $2 million for the years of litigation. <clears throat> the jury awarded Bryant's estate, which was represented at the trial by his daughter, Christy Bryant Yule, $105,000 and gave Drake $80,000. The jury did not award any damages to two plaintiffs, former Parks Director Be Becky Kelly, who is now, who now is the state's Parks Director, and Herbert Lowe, a former deputy in the Parks Department. Jones was silent and stone-faced as the verdict was read Thursday afternoon. He offered no comment as he left the federal courthouse, saying he would hold a news conference Friday morning. Stogner told the WSB-TV that he thought the verdict was a victory. The decision came after seven days of testimony before a jury of six, five white and one black, in a case filed by four plaintiffs who claimed Jones, DeKalb's first black CEO, when elected in 2000, orchestrated a scheme to replace three top white managers in the Parks Department with blacks. The case has been long and costly, with DeKalb spending more than $2.5 million in attorney's fees for its defense. DeKalb County Commissioner Lee May responded sharply to the verdict Thursday afternoon, saying that U.S. District Attorney Judge Bill Duffy may have influenced the jury. On Wednesday, with the jury out of the courtroom, Duffy denounced the county's conduct in the case as shameful and hinted he might throw out the verdict if the jury sided with the defendants. Duffy was particularly annoyed that even after both sides had exchanged thousands of pages of documents in the years before the trial, the county failed to come up with two key documents until the trial had begun. The judge accused the defendants of behavior that was either terribly incompetent or terribly wrong. Commissioner May said on Thursday, the judge was clearly against DeKalb County. I read the comments in the paper and it almost seems like he influenced the jury to do to a degree, but he didn't influence them at that much because the damages are minuscule compared to what they were asking for. The current CEO, Burrell Ellis, sounded a similar theme. In light of, re of years 
In light of years of litigation and the amount of damages at stake, I view this as a favorable, favorable outcome for DeKalb County. I look forward to seeing this matter closed so that we can focus our attention on the quality of life issues that matter most to our citizens. Many said the county had already set aside some money to cover legal costs and the damages will likely be covered by the county's insurance policy. During his testimony, Jones denied that he discriminated against white workers during his first two terms as CEO of the county. I wanted the best and the brightest, Jones said. That meant blacks, whites, Asians, Latinos, Republicans, Democrats, independents, gays, straight, anybody who wanted to work for DeKalb County. I want everyone to have a seat at the table. I stand by this to this day, Jones acknowledged. Let's see here. Uh, Jones acknowledged during the trial that white employees were concerned and he wanted to toss them out and replace them with black employees. At a March 2001 meeting of the department heads, he made it a point to tell his top manage, uh, management that was not the case. Jones testified. The defendants, DeKalb County, found by the jury to have engaged in racial discrimination and ordered to pay $74,000 in damage, damages, Vernon Jones, the county's first black CEO elected in 2001, created and maintained a hostile work environment. The jury said he was ordered to pay $27,750. Richard Stogner, a leading figure in four Atlanta mayoral administrations and the ex executive assistant to Jones and DeKalb, also created and maintained a hostile work environment. The jury said and also was ordered to pay $27,500, $27,750. Uh, Marilyn Boyd Drew, the former head of the Parks Department, was also found liable for the hostile work environment accusation and was ordered to pay $50, $55,500. Morris Williams, the jury did not find Williams, the current chief of staff of the Cab County Commission, liable for any damages. The litigation began in August 2004. Although the lawsuit centered on what happened to four former parks and recreation employees, the plaintiff's attorneys were allowed to question witnesses about what happened in other departments to try to show jurors there was a countywide policy or plan to discriminate against whites. According to testimony, there were 33 blacks and 61 white upper level managers in DeKalb when Jones took office on January 1st, 2001. By August 2005, there were 60 black and 57 white upper level county managers. Jurors heard a tape recorded phone conversation between assistant county manager Morris Williams and Joe Stone, head of the CAB's human resources department. At the time of their March, uh, of their March 25, 2003 phone conversation, neither Williams nor Stone was aware that one of them had inadvertently allowed their conversation to be recorded on the voicemail system of another county employee. That employee, the county's information systems director, would later turn over the recording to J. Tom Morgan, DeKalb's former district attorney, who is now a lawyer for the plaintiff. During the call, Stone appears to tell Williams he was angry that the county's new fire chief, David Foster, wanted to promote four white firemen to the rank of battalion chief. He wants to pick them for a population that is solid snow white already, Stone said. Now he got to cut that expletive out with Vernon Joan, uh, with Vernon. He told David Foster not to, we don't promote anybody until you figure out how you can fix this problem. Okay, so there's a little bit of a piece about that. So you guys can digest that as you will in regards to Vernon Jones and the claims that he's a racist. And uh, it appears the court did not uh, find him to be a racist, but they did find him to what? Uh, um, uh, maintain a hostile working environment, as it were. Is this the next one that we got for you guys? 
Okay. So the next story for you guys about Vernon Jones is um, it is about uh, Vernon Jones and his allegations of homosexuality. So maybe you guys don't know about this. So he has a rape charge against him. And then he also has, um, uh, there's also claims of him being a wildly sexual man. Hey, calm down, sir. And then uh, this report that we'll share with you here is about him uh, doing gay stuff. Okay, and uh, let me go ahead and get this ready for you guys. All right, and uh, this is from the Stu Peters Show. Now, I'll admit, guys, Stu Peters had a lot more on Vernon Jones that I'm not sharing, uh, but I thought I would share this one with you because it's actually an eyewitness report. Someone who knows from firsthand or experienced from firsthand. So that's why I thought I would share it with you guys as opposed to the rest of the stuff that he has on Jones. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, roll this footage for you all. Okay, here we go. Oh, let me, let me, let me tell you what we're watching here first before I go off and you're like, what the heck are we watching? Uh, this has to do, uh, the person who's going to be interviewed in this, uh, in this segment um, is a retired Atlanta police officer. Um, and uh, she's also a Democrat insider. Okay. Um, but she talks about in this interview about how Vernon Jones broke up her marriage by sleeping with her husband, okay? Um, and she also talks about how uh, when she called Vernon Jones out on it, that he sent the police after her to harass her. Is it true? I don't know. You guys watch this clip and we'll let you assess that for yourself. I went to the heart of DeKalb County, the old stomping grounds for Vernon Jones when he was the CEO of that county, Lathona, Stonecrest, a community that's been abused and forgotten, thanks to Mr. Jones. The woman I spoke to, she has quite the resume. She's an insider. She's known Vernon Jones for over 20 years. She knows where the skeletons are buried. Here she is. I'm Faye Cofield. Uh, right now, I consider myself to be, I guess you would say, a Renaissance woman. Uh, I, am, I, I am someone that travels, and I... Uh, right now, my travels, my bucket list is uh, the African countries that are not at war. Um, I uh, also am the owner and operator of a uh, private investigation and security agency that is based in DeKalb County. Uh, and I'm a retired police sergeant from the city of Atlanta Police Department. She knows what intimidation is. She knows what a thug, an abuser a sexual predator is. She knows the real Vernon Jones. My relationship with Vernon is a little bit different because of who I am and what I am. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not one that would um, back down from him. Okay. And I'm not one that would allow him to push me. I know that he was accused of pushing uh, one of the county commissioners. Uh, one of the fe he had a he always had problems with females. It seemed like, and he was accused of pushing one of the female uh, 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 commissioners, but she didn't push him back. I mean, you know, she just you know I think she started to cry or some you know some little thing like that. You know, something that 
a lot of us would not have done if it would have happened to us. As we've heard, it's much more than just harassment or pushing of women. It's actual abuse. And apparently it's not just women. It turns out that the tyrant's wrath goes both ways. We were involved in a dispute that was on Facebook. So we were going back and forth on Facebook. And I told him at one point that he said a lot of nasty things about me on Facebook, but he would not say them to my face, that he acted like, when he saw me, he acted like a three-year-old that got the tricycle stolen. He mm. would sulk in the corner. And then he said, that's because you're ugly. I remember him saying that. And then at some point during the conversation, he said, what you need is a man in your bed, which I felt was, you know, if you ain't peeking through my window, you should know who's in my bed. But I did reply back that uh, he shouldn't be worried about the man in my bed, and I would not be worried about the men in his bed. And that, that set him off. I mean, he went completely ballistic. And uh, the next morning, I think it was the next morning, he threatened to send the uh, GBI, which is the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, over to my house. And I was like, whatever. You know, we're in the South. And in the South, people never knock on people's front door. They usually use the side door because we have side doors and we have back doors. So I told him, just tell him, come knock on my front door. This man that Vernon Jones is alleged to have slept with, his marriage broke up over this. That would make Vernon Jones a homosexual homewrecker. But it's so much worse than this, because the same way he would try to get to the bottom of a, a woman's uh, you know, underwear drawer or a man, Vernon Jones did this through corruption and through malfeasance in his county. And now is trying to do it at the state level as the governor of Georgia. There are allegations, okay, and as, an, as a retired police sergeant and as a current investigation, investigator, I will tell you there are allegations, okay. Now, what has been proved? Uh, as of yet, not very much, but that may be because of who's doing the investigating. Everyone has skeletons in their closet, and everyone, okay, I don't care if it's from the, let me put it to you this way, from the White House to the outhouse, there are skeletons, okay? And the, you find out about these skeletons when, as we're seeing now, we're having people having charges brought up against them from stuff that happened in the 70s, okay? So uh, is there something in his closet? It depends on how deep they want to investigate. Now that's why we're here, because I can tell you right now, we're going to investigate all the way to Vernon's jail cell. If again, he committed these crimes, if again, he abused these women, we're not gonna give up. We're bulldogs for the truth. What you're gonna hear next is another active investigation which could again involve Vernon Jones. There's all kinds of corruption. I'm in Stonecrest and right now, we're having a major corruption with our mayor. They just got rid of, we said they got rid of everyone. The joke is everybody but code enforcement got run off. What for? Corruption. What are we talking, millions? <laughs> We're talking about about $6.5 million of COVID money. The relief package money. So it was a swindle. How, did, how was that done? Well, you know, see, here's the thing. 
it's not what you know, it's who you know, okay? And if you, even in your business, there are probably people who have moved up to TV stations and big time jobs. They don't know doodly squat. They don't know any more than you do and they don't do it any better than you do. They may not even do it as well as you do, but they know somebody. So what they did, they divided the money up among their friends. You know, I mean, it's going to be a big mess. In fact, the mayor was just uh, charged in a long indictment and I think he's going to plead. Somebody's saying he's going to take a plea or whatever. They, they locked up the two most important people they could lock up, the mayor and a bookkeeper. Hmm. And if you want to laugh about that, as I always tell people, remember this. Al Capone murdered a bunch of people. He's, he's ran a bunch of drugs. He ran prostitutes and he ran liquor. But he ended up at the end of Boulevard in the federal prison for not paying his income tax. And so anything is possible. Now, tell us about 650000 pocketed by just the bookkeeper who has flipped. The mayor has basically pled out guilty, said, I'm, uh, I'm not going to fight most of these indicted charges. Now, what I found to be intriguing about this was two parts. The first one was that the bookkeeper set up three shell companies, a tourism company, Visit Us, a media company, Battleground Media, and a real estate company. Real estate management consultants. Now, these companies, we don't know what the intent of them were, but they hit every aspect of the corruption that we've already learned. Vernon Jones has become an expert in. This is from the witnesses and the victim. The second connection to Mr. Jones is through his longtime lawyer, Dwight Thomas. What a coincidence. It turns out that the corrupt mayor is sharing the same lawyer as the corrupt and potentially sexually abusive former CEO of that county. There's more to this connection. I think a lot of people are, go- are going to get sucked into it. I think it's, it depends on how far the feds want to go. There is no loyalty among thieves. And in addition to that, when you're dealing with middle-class people that are accustomed to the finer things in life, trust me, they don't, they don't want to be in that orange jumpsuit and them ill-fitting flip-flops. When you are corrupt, when you're serving the devil, when you wake up every day deciding just how evil you're going to be, the extent of your crimes and what can be discovered, the sky is the limit. But when it comes to Vernon Jones, whether it be in an orange jumpsuit or an orange tutu, and at this point, what I've already heard from witnesses, the ones we've interviewed, the ones we've spoken to, and the victims, is that Vernon Jones, he appears to be a sexual predator, a sexual reprobate, a homosexual homewrecker. What are we going to find out next? Certainly nothing that's in line with the America First agenda or the Republican ticket that he's attempting to run on. We're not leaving this investigation, and I guarantee you, by the time we're done, the truth will be exposed. Reporting for the Stu Peters Show, I'm Edward. Okay, guys, so... um... This is all just food for thought for you guys, all right? I've already made up my mind, but I also don't have a dog in the race in Georgia. If you... There we go. Okay, guys. <laughs> this is all just food for thought for you all, of course. Um, you know, and uh, I mean, 
you know, I, I've already made up my mind in that regard, uh, but I also don't have a dog in the race in Georgia, if you know what I mean. So uh, take it as you will, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just sharing this information with you all because uh, he's whipped up a firestorm. I see you guys are having quite a fun time with this topic uh, over there in the chat rooms. Anka Vanka says, I'm so confused. What is the story with that? With uh, Flynn changing... Well, we covered that lady... <laughs> We covered it, my fair Ankavanka, at the start of the story. Uh, so if you want to go back about 40 minutes, you know, since we have the uh, since we have the little tracker video thing. No, just kidding. Uh, basically, uh, General Flynn uh, is rena- he he renounced his um, endorsement of Mike Collins because Mike Collins released a smear campaign video against Vernon Jones. So General Flynn is endorsing. Vernon Jones because someone attacked him, basically, is what's happening. That's basically the long and the short of it. Anyhow, uh, like I was saying, guys, you guys, like, this is all just information I'm sharing with you all. This is the last story that we're going to cover on the Vernon Jones front, because now we've gone to uh, uh, crazy sex man, to racist, to uh, Democrat and Republican clothing, or wait, wait, Democrat, wait, Democrat and name only, to a Republican supporter of Trump who is pro-life, to uh, uh, someone who uh, um, possibly swindled a lot of money and uh, is involved in all these other kinds of schemes, to uh, someone who's violent with outbursts, to someone who homewrecked someone's home and had sex with her husband. And now let's go, let's stop on the rape allegations. And then, and then we'll close it there. Like I said, this is for you guys to chew the fat on, all right? It's, it's not too, uh, I mean, if you want to ask my opinion... I, because this is, this is again under that cloud of do who, uh, how can we trust everyone Trump endorses, right? (laughs) That's the only reason why we're doing this right now. And and you guys can keep on supporting this man as long as you want. Uh, But I'm just saying, I don't think I would support anyone that has this much crap around him. Like uh, just based on the history of when he was in the Democrat Party and following that all the way up to now, it, it this literally he literally seems like an opportunist guy. Like, I think the words like grifter and and stuff like that and shill, I think that stuff is used a lot very loosely. I think people get very much diarrhea in the mouth when they start trying to point out grifters and stuff like that. But this guy has a track record of doing it on both sides. It seems like to me, based on everything that we've covered, but again. You know what? He's not my representative and uh, he's not my governor either. So I'm just sharing this information with you guys. Okay. Um, All right. So let's wrap it up here, guys, because I have got to uh, I've got to get ready for the 10 o'clock show I'm doing tonight. I hope you guys have been having a great time over there in uh, all the stations that we're live on currently. And, uh, well, we'll get back to it in just a little bit. Let's just finish up here, guys. We're almost done. Thank you all for sitting through this. Th- these kind of topics are not ho- not easy to sit through, you know, especially when it goes against the narrative of what is accepted uh, by many. You know what I mean? So I appreciate you guys humoring, uh, humoring us in that regard and, uh, and, you know, kind of just, you know, either enjoying your company over there in the chat rooms or, uh, you know, uh, dissecting, analyzing, and deciding for yourself uh, what it is that we're trying to convey here. All right. So it says here, a uh, rape claim versus CEO unfolds in DA's file. So this is about, uh, this rape claim. Uh, there's, there's, uh, uh, 
somewhat harsh imagery in this article, guys. Just just a heads up. Uh, DeKalb County Chief Executive Officer Vernon Jones declared himself exonerated last month of a rape accusation. Prosecutors, he said, confronted his accuser and convinced her to cease the false allegations. The alleged victim, however, stands by her accusation, according to a lawyer who has advised her. And DeKalb District Attorney Gwen Keyes Fleming said at the time that she dropped the investigation because the woman wanted to avoid the trauma of a trial. A review by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution of witness statements and other newly released documents from the closed investigation suggests the matter was far more complex than Jones contended. The documents draw no conclusion about whether Jones, 45, committed a crime or whether the allegation against him is false, but they contain the accuser's detailed claim that Jones held her down, the 29-year-old Lithonia woman, at his South DeKalb home last December and raped her following a sexual encounter with her and another woman. The accuser told investigators that Jones apologized before she left and pleaded with her not to hurt him. The woman acknowledged that she she told Jones their sexual encounter was consensual, but she told police that she she told police she said that so she could leave. Because of the woman's desire to avoid a trial, the public will have no opportunity to assess her or Jones' credibility in a public proceeding. The investigative file public under uh, the investigative file public under <clears throat> Georgia law after the close of the nine-month investigation allows the public to draw its own conclusions about a criminal allegation against one of the region's most powerful elected officials. On at least four occasions, the alleged victim gave police the same accounts of the December 28th episode with Jones and his on-and-off girlfriend. Jones' friend corroborated much of the woman's account of the early part of the evening, but she told investigators the accuser was a willing participant in fondling and other sexual activity before the alleged rape. The friend said she left Jones' home before the rape purportedly occurred. Details of the evening emerged from more than 400 pages of statements by the accuser, Jones' friend, and others. Uh, released by the district attorney on November 4th in response to an open records request, the documents give the first full account of the allegations against DeKalb County's top elected officials. Jones refused to answer investigators' questions, records show, but issued public statements maintaining that all sexual activity was consensual. Through his lawyers, Dwight Thomas, he declined request for an interview. Thomas aggressively denies the woman's accusations. The CEO did not rape the woman, Thomas said in an interview last week. There was no rape. There was no brutality. Nobody beaten up. Nobody beat her up. Nobody tore her pants off or her panties off. The woman did not say Jones beat her or ripped her clothing, but she did allege Jones raped her. Regardless, Thomas added, simply because she said it does does not make it true. Keyes Fleming, the district attorney, declined through a spokeswoman to comment on the merits of the woman's claim. Authorities are still investigating whether DeKalb police officers tipped off Jones before detectives even finished taking the woman's statement. Jones' accuser, whose name is being withheld by the journal Constitution because she says she was the victim of a sex crime, has not recanted her claim of rape, said Angie, um, Angie King, Kingman, Kingma, an Atlanta lawyer and former sex crimes prosecutor who has advised the woman as a victim's advocate. Kingma said she believes prosecutors had enough evidence to take the matter to trial. This case absolutely could have been taken to jury, she said. He, Jones, has not been exonerated. The victim could not take it anymore.
A chance meeting. They met by chance during a break in DeKalb County Commission meeting last December. According to the recently released investigative files, Jones struck up a conversation with the woman who was there to meet a departing commissioner and for professional networking as she looked for work. She said later she handed Jones and several other people her business card on which she had written the number of her cell phone. At her church, the woman had counseled girls who had been raped and abused. The work was personal. As a child, an adult molested her, according to her statements to investigators, and as a teenager, she was the victim of a date rape. On Christmas Day, the woman was visiting relatives out of state when Jones called her cell phone. She said she agreed to get in touch when she got home. On December 28th, the woman called Jones. They met for lunch that day at the Houston's restaurant in Buckhead, or Buckhead. Of course... He was being recognized by most of the people, she later told the police. So I just kind of stood off to the side, you know, while he greeted and did his politi pol politician type thing. During lunch, the woman said Jones asked about her life, what she considered typical first date questions. Soon, the conversation took a really crazy turn, she said, when Jones described himself as heated. She said he told her, you seem like you have the potential to be really nasty. She responded, well, could be, you know, with the right guy, you know, at the right time. She also told him she felt a connection between them, a woman told investigators. Jones invited the woman to his house that evening, she said, but she did not give a firm answer. On the telephone later, she said Jones asked her again to come over to just hang out with him and a former girlfriend whom he still dated at times. She said she felt more comfortable knowing a third person would be present, even though she told investigators that Jones suggested she and his friend stay for a sleepover. She said she responded that she had no intention of having sex with him or with him and his friend. She said she drew what I thought she said she drew what I thought would be a boundary and he said okay. Drinks then dancing. When the woman arrived at Jones' house, he was at the kitchen counter mixing drinks, peach daiquiris, she recalled, uh, margaritas, according to Jones' friend, who had arrived earlier. The newspaper is not identifying Jones' friend because of the intimate nature of her statement to investigators. They roasted miniature marshmallows in the fireplace, danced, and then sat on a sofa with Jones between the two women. According to both women, Jones and his friend kissed and Jones draped his arm around the other woman. Several times, the alleged victim said Jones put his hand up her shirt, but she pushed him away. She said he placed her hand on his crotch. Both women, said Jones, then led them into his bedroom. The alleged victim said she tried to pull away, but Jones persisted. Jones' friend said the woman voiced no objection, but asked whether the other two had been tested for sexually transmitted diseases. The alleged victim told police that Jones and his friend took off their clothes, but she hesitated. She said Jones told her she was making his friend uncomfortable and being a problem. The woman said she was afraid, but undressed anyway. During the sexual contact that followed, she said Jones held her arm and legs to keep her in bed. When he loosened his grasp, she said she got up and locked herself in a bathroom. The experience with Jones and his friend said she she said left her feeling horrible and dirty but jones friend told investigators that the other woman's participation was consensual at one point she leaned over and put her hands on my arm and said i just want you to know that i'm okay thank you about 3 a.m the friend decided to go home and the woman the women dressed thomas jones lawyer said jones friend told an investigator that both women left at about the same time but jones friend told police that the alleged victim remained in the house as she drove away and her attorney abby taylor guest said the woman has not said she was she saw the alleged victim leave 
After the other woman left, Jones' accuser told police that he coaxed her into returning into his bedroom. He was trying to console me and make sure everything was okay, the woman told investigators, and it was better. But she was scared. If I leave here and he doesn't think I'm okay, you know, then he can find me. She said, she thought, I, I live in DeKalb. My house is here. You know, I just wanted things to be okay. I didn't want any problems. I didn't want any trouble. Jones was undressed, she said, and told her he trusted me to come there and just to give him another chance. She said he told her it would be a lot nicer if she took her clothes off too. He was like trying to negotiate me out of my clothes. She said Jones told her he had messed up earlier in the night. You just wanted to talk and what have you and what have you and you know we did a lot more. She recalled Jones saying to her, "But I'm not going to do that again." And I believed him, the woman told investigators, so I took my clothes off and we laid there real close and just talked. And soon she said Jones groped her and rolled on top of her. I told him, no, no, what are you doing? No, stop, no. And Jones, she said, pinned her to the bed and raped her. She said she struggled until Jones grabbed his cell phone, telling her he had to send a text message to a security officer. She said he told her to stay put while she went to another room. While he went to another room, she said she got out of bed and dressed. I got scared, she told the investigators. I started pacing the floor in the kitchen because I was like, well, he just told me not to leave and he's texting his security. I don't know what they're saying. I don't know where, where they are. I don't know if I can get out. I felt I had been violated. The sex wasn't consensual. I had been forced to do a lot of things that I didn't want to do. When he saw that she was leaving, Jones appeared to be angry, the woman said, and pleaded with her not to hurt him. She said when Jones asked what she thought, what had happened, uh, she told him the sex had been consensual, hoping her assurance would persuade him to allow her to leave. I trusted you to come here, she said. Jones told her, I trusted you and you know I don't normally do this. And you know, you know, look at what you've done. Look at what you're doing. Please forgive me, she said. He continued, please forgive me. The woman said later she was worried about sexually transmitted diseases and pregnancy, but she had no health insurance and couldn't afford an examination. The first available appointment at the county health department was a month away. On January 2nd, four days after the encounter, the woman sought medical attention at her roommate's insistence. She asked a doctor to keep her rape allegation secret, medical records show, but a nurse called the police and the woman ultimately gave a lengthy statement to a detective from the DeKalb County Police Department Sex Crimes Unit. Thomas, Jones' lawyer, described the CEO as a single, robust, healthy male who enjoys the company of women. Jones, uh, Thomas added, regrets this woman used a completely adult encounter for the purpose of making a false allegation. The woman, however, was a reluctant accuser. Police reports show, fearing she would get caught up in what detectives called a media frenzy. Already, he's letting people know who I am, she told investigators shortly after her allegations became public knowledge. I've got people in my church who know who I am. I'm a good person. I don't know what to be. I don't want to be known or slandered all over the Atlanta metro area or have CNN, you know, broadcasting that I'm a slut or that I'm out for money or any of the details of what happened because I'm completely embarrassed by it. She said, I'm ashamed of it. I don't want any of it to happen. Period. All right. That was that, as they say, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, take it as you will, guys. Take it as you will. Don't shoot the messenger. This isn't Taliban and the Mr. C report again, okay? <laughs> okay, guys. All right. I think, uh, I think we've gone on for long enough tonight. Uh, I guess just some closing thoughts on the stories that we've been sharing here at the moment. I mean, don't go to people's houses you don't trust. Listen to your gut feeling. 
And uh, first thought, right thought. Okay, she should have listened, first of all, to herself. Next of all, <clears throat> I think the boil down for myself in regards to Jones, and again, maybe you guys don't want to know or don't care about my opinion on it, but you are you are here in attendance, so I'll just kind of think that you guys do want to know, um, would basically be that if Jones may be America first, he may be a conservative, he may be a MAGA, he may not be a grifter, he may not be an opportunist, he may not be any of that. But what when I look at the big picture and take, you know, a 10,000 foot view of all of the information that we just went over, what it does seem like to me is that Jones figured out that the political life is a lucrative life. He was able to get in. And as a Democrat, he voted for conservative values, which tells me he was probably in someone's back pocket. And now we would have to see how he plays out as a conservative. If he wins the 10th congressional district in, um, in Georgia, I think if any, if there's any merit to anything that we covered here, we will see that as a reflection of how the people of Georgia vote in their upcoming elections. And that's really where I can leave it. Um, because again, this is one of those conversations that I think is more important in the Patriot, uh, particularly in the Trump, uh, you know, in the Trump, um, in the Trump uh, uh, support movement, you know, uh, a more important question is trusting but verifying those people who are endorsed doing the digging. OK, that's more important than what colors President Trump's tie today and was that a clone on the stage or not? You know, we should be digging into this stuff. So we can form, we can make informed decisions about who we're voting for, particularly if it's someone in our home state and in our home and in our backyard. And that's basically all I've got to say about that, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Thanks for joining us again tonight at another edition of the Sea Report. We did it again, guys. We've done two shows today. Uh, make sure you guys uh, tune in a little later on at uh, in approximately 44 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, I'll be over at the Speak Uneasy's channel uh, for um, uh, another edition of This Is News, and uh, I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be uh, popping in as a guest host for tonight with him. So you guys check that out if you are willing, able, and have a desire to. It'll be a fun time, I'm sure. Uh, but I gotta I gotta cut it here, guys, because I have to prep for that too. So. Uh, <laughs> All right. It's been a busy day, but it's been a fun day. Thank you all again for joining us today at, ooh, excuse me, the C Report. <laughs> I was not snacking on anything while those videos were playing, I promise. But <laughs> anyways, guys, y'all have a great night. Um, as we like to say here at the C Report, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you tomorrow. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you. I will fight for you and I will win for you.
to all Americans tonight in all of our cities and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you.